everyone and welcome to another installment of the Battle Round coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. The Battle Round is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. It is Saturday, June 12th, 2021. Another unseasonably cool weekend, uh, at least to start today. I am your host, Paul Valley. Joining me, as always, is my incomparable co-host, Zach Goodman, who did an extraordinary job Thank taking you. over as Thank lead you. host, along with guest host Ryan Blake, who also did yes. an incredible job, as always, as I knew he would last week. Zach, how you doing today, man? Uh, pretty good. You know, a decent week of Orioles baseball, I guess. I always, uh, I always give my, my impression of how the week went off Orioles baseball, I guess, because it's what's going on right now. But, um, you know, a pretty solid week, aside from the 14-1 to loss. that was I was there for that. That wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a, that was a brutal game. Um, and we're going to get into that. Uh, Matt Harvey got lit up again for the fifth time in his last six starts. The only uh, start he didn't get lit up in was a, a start where he was basically an opener, three innings, one run. But other than that, he has not been good since the beginning of May. I've been to four games so far, and I've seen Matt Harvey twice. Like, how unfortunate is that? Like, there's all these guys. I mean, Lowther, Kramer, all these Zimmerman, all these guys I haven't seen. I have to see Matt Harvey pitch twice. I don't know what's. I don't know what's happening. I just I schedule these way in well, advance. If if you went to a game in April and saw Matt Harvey pitch, you probably got a decent yeah, outing. I I, yeah. I I saw Matt Harvey pitch on opening day, and then I saw John Means pitch when I went back in May to a game. But I've only been to two. <clears throat> um. I'm going to have to go on like a Sunday mm-hmm. if I want to see another game the rest of the year because of the new job I have. But that's neither here nor there. Orioles lose to the Rays last night 4-2. to two. It's the first game of a 20 games in 20 days stretch. All 20 games against playoff teams yes from from 2020 the schedule is is a is a rough one for the Orioles and I think we knew that was going to happen yeah and then you look at it 26 of the of the last 29 games before the all-star break are against teams that made the playoffs last year the the lone three are against the Los Angeles Angels the first week of July and by then they might have Mike Trout back yes and I believe (laughs) those games are in LA so and then you get Otani, you get you get the rest of the Angels' firepower in their lineup. That will not be if they have to face Otani, you know, on the mound, even even hitting. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough series. Exactly. So, uh, look, the Orioles are they lost 14 games in a row, went five and 23 in May, and thank God they've already won five games in June because they might not get <laughs> many more. They might not. They they won five out of their, out of their six. Um, you know, going into Wednesday night, and then they obviously lost 14 to one, but. They were looking fine, you know, up to that point. The five out of six, like you said, playoff teams. These are not, you know, the Indians. They're they're not a bad team. They're not the first place White they're Sox. They're one of in the best division. pitching teams in baseball. Yeah, and we didn't. Okay, look, the Orioles didn't run into Shane Bieber. They didn't run into that buzzsaw. You knew you weren't going to beat Shane Bieber if he was on the mound. Right. But they, you know, they were able to compete against guys who are are still really good pitchers. We talked about Savale a lot on this show. I thought they competed pretty well against Savale. You know, so it's it's they 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 faced really good teams. And like I said, this is a buzzsaw. 
draw of a schedule right now, and, and they're 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 putting up a fight against these competitive teams. A four-two loss last night, it's not the end of the world. Well, yeah, and and, and let's talk about that game a little bit. Last night, Keegan Aiken he gets a start, four innings pitch, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, three Ks. Not not great. Yeah. He, 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 yeah. he made one mistake. He made one mistake, and that mistake was a loud one. It was a monster yeah. home run by Brandon Lau. Uh, his 11th of the year. And the Orioles were up 2-1 to one at that point. It's a two-run homer that puts the Rays back in front 3-2. to two, And the Rays never looked back. Now look, Ryan Yarbrough got the start. He gave up, he, he gave up two unearned runs because there was an error that extended the third inning. And Trey Mancini, the next batter, hits a two-run homer. Um, and they go up. The Orioles go up 2 nothing. Only damage done against Ryan Yarbrough. And this is a guy... He's one of the brighter young pitchers in baseball, right? And he threw a complete game the other day, and it was his. It was the Rays' first complete game, believe it or not, their first complete game since 2016. So wow. you have to go back five years. And it's kind of astounding to think about that until you realize that the Rays, I mean, this is the same team that's led by Kevin Cash who took out Blake Snell in the World Series when he had given up two hits in five and two-thirds innings right. uh, on, on right. like 63 pitches. Yeah. And th- this is a team that employs openers on a regular— uh, they used to on so a regular basis. you have to do basis. a lot to get a complete game yeah. for this team. Yeah, yeah. and, and Ryan Yarbrough, he's a good young pitcher, gave up three hits, two runs, two unearned runs in six innings last night. This isn't a loss that I really harp on. You know, you, you had Mancini with a two-run homer— Yarborough, really good pitcher on the team with the best record in baseball, first team to 40 wins in the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, again, Aiken makes one mistake. Tyler Wells continued his dominance in the month of in the month of June. Still has yet to give up an earned run this month. Uh, his ERA is sub three since May first. Yeah, you know he's he's Tyler pitching. Wells has been a legitimate piece for the Orioles bullpen. I, I don't think many of us saw that coming. I mean, Rule Five guy. You know, you had, you had Brandon Bailey and Michael Rucker in 2020. Obviously, they got returned, so you don't really expect a lot out of these guys. And and Tyler Wells to me has starter stuff. He's been. Very dominant the past few outings. And this is a guy who has six career coming into this year had six six career games above high A ball. Right, and yep. you look at you look at him. He's an imposing yeah. figure on the six, six eight two hundred fifty pounds. Has four pitches that he can throw for strikes. This is a steal in the Rule Five draft. Yeah, even if he gets lit up the rest of this month and doesn't have a great, the Orioles are going to hang on to him, and he's going to be a piece for them. Yes, uh, for the for the foreseeable future. Uh, so he comes in, he continues the recent dominance. Then you go to your two most consistent relievers in Cole Salser and Paul Fry. Salser gives up the run. He gives up a run. That happens. That that I'm okay with that. Fry comes in, does what he does. He gets people out, which is not a conversation we were having back in March. Right, right. You know, uh, you, you're two most consistent. You live and die with these guys. And it's not the pitching that lost this game last night. The, the Orioles ran into a good pitching team. And they didn't get the job done. Now, maybe you can look at the last two games and say, hey, the Orioles have scored three runs in two days. Um, but I'm not really... The, these are good baseball teams that they're playing with, with with good pitching. I mean, the Mets are in first place. The Rays are in first place. The Indians are in playoff contention. These are good baseball teams. I don't harp on a loss like this. I can, I can live with it. Doesn't ruin my night. Um, down on the farm. That's what we are going to talk about right now because... That is the most exciting thing about this franchise. Yes, right now. Yes, uh, you look at. So we're going to start with Norfolk. 
They beat the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Boss. It feels like they play the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp <laughs> they, they every do. day. That's it, the game I saw when I was down there. It, it seems they, like they're always playing the Jumbo Shrimp. Well, because they're, they're, they're staying on the East Coast. They're only playing teams basically in their division, so this is who they're playing. Uh, Zach Louther and Connor Green, they combine for a six-hit shutout. Connor Green gets the, gets the win because Louther came out after four innings. Um, but it, it's good for Louther to get a start like that, to, to get a game, three hits, no runs, um, to regain some confidence because he got lit up a little bit down at Norfolk this year. Uh, Jemai Jones with a two-run double. Domingo Leba, who was a revelation. Leba, Leba, I think it's Leba. Domingo Leba, he was just claimed off waivers from Arizona uh, on June 4th. Three for four. All he does is hit. All he does is hit. Three for four, a home run, four RBIs. He is seven for 17 with three home runs and 10 RBIs in four games with Norfolk. For Reno, he was 16 for 35 with four home runs and 14 RBIs in eight games. That means that in 12 games and just 52 at-bats, he's batting 442 with seven home runs and 24 RBIs. In Seems, 12, good. Seems in, good. In 12 games, that's a 1396 OPS. Seems good. Yeah. <laughs> Seems good. Like, what? Uh, so this guy, he guess the positions that he plays. Second base and third base. Second yeah. base and third base. Down there, lighting <laughs> it up. Please remind me again who the Orioles have playing second base because I... Uh, Stevie Breeze, Pat the Bat Vileka, on occasion Ramon Urias... Oh, then you have Mike Al- you can't Frank convi- over third. Right? I, you can't convince. Okay, look, I was campaigning this entire show, really the whole year, for for Rio Ruiz to be off this roster. Now that's happened, right? Now we have another problem because Stevie Breeze can't hit either. And guess what? The Orioles have another hole at second base. Now, look, honestly, I will say this. I have been very impressed by the defense that, that Stevie has provided at second base. I think right. his defense has been He's very like a good. a couple of runs. Right? Yes, he definitely has. I, I think his defense has been very good. But look, you know, it's again, he's hitting under 200. His OPS is like 500. It, it's, it's just not r- working right now. It, they have no second baseman. And the guy like Domingo Leyba, you have to imagine Mike Elias had him in mind to be in the majors at some point soon. You know, in, in the waiver claim, I mean, it makes total sense. The Orioles don't have a lot of second base options. Bringing in a guy like Leyba, who can hit the ball a little bit better than, than Stevie Wilkerson and Rio Ruiz, it just makes a lot of sense. It, this guy should be... In this, on you know, really on this major league roster, I would say in maybe at most a month, it will happen soon. I'm almost positive of that, and that's why Michael Elias did it. Well, the guy's already had a cup of coffee this year. Yes, he, he has. He got yep. called up to majors, and he went 0 for 22, which is not good. But not, hey, it's. <laughs> I mean, you look at Jerry Kalenic for the sure, for the sure. Seattle Mariners. He was in an 0 for 39 slump, was batting 0 96. This is number three prospect in all of baseball. He just got sent right. down. And I believe Labo was up in 2020 where he hit like 280, somewhere around there, for, for a limited sample size, of he, course. He, but he, got, he got off to a slump. You wonder yeah. if the guy is just murdering baseballs at the minor league level, how the. the uh, and he's. Close to Major League Ready, if not Major League Ready, how does Arizona just let him slide through? I don't know. I mean, it, he was one of their top prospects for about three years. He was always in their top five or so uh, of prospects. So he was a, a highly touted guy who I guess just never really has worked out at the Major League level. You know, maybe like a Chance Cisco or a, even a Rio Ruiz is a very good comparison for that. Um, but, you know, just based on the fact that the Orioles have such a lack of options at second base, you know, Jemai Jones is the obvious guy who is the future there, at least for this year and, and probably next as well but he's not ready yet because he's been injured a lot and he needs to work on his defense. Domingo Leyba is a great stopgap guy. Like Domingo Leyba is is a guy you can give 
you know, 80, 90 at-bats to and say, okay, let's see what this guy's got. I think we all know what Stevie Wilkerson brings to the table. I think we all know what Rio Ruiz brings to the table, or brought, I should say. Um, and I think we sort of know what Ramon Urias brings to the table at this point. Domingo Labo's a guy we haven't tried yet. You know, we, we as fans, we don't know what he is yet. So d- bringing up a guy who's hitting the ball as well as he is, it might make a lot of sense for the Orioles, especially soon, because there is such a hole at second base. Well, and to that point, we do know who Stevie Wilkerson is. We do know who yeah, Pat exactly. Blake is. Exactly. Yes. Uh, we know who Ramon Urias yeah. is, uh, and there's a reason that he's down in Norfolk right now. Uh, uh, but you could make the argument there's a reason that Leba is down. Is it Leba or Leba? I think it's Leba. I uh, want to say Leba. Somebody called him Leba. Somebody called him Leba. I'm like, which one is it? By the way, I want to mention a really important thing before you go any farther here. Um, I read a thing the other day by a writer who said he talked to a bunch of players from AAA and MLB, and he said there's never been a bigger gap between AAA and Major League Baseball right now as there is right now. It's Right now there is such a divide between the, the, the talent and the pitching between the two levels, and I just think that's something to note here as well, um, especially well, with the, talking about a guy like Stevie. You can, you can make the argument that AAA is basically filled with 4A players. Yes, it is, for sure. You know, uh, guys who have played their way out of the minors but aren't good enough to be in the majors, right? Uh, the talent, all the talent in, in the minor leagues is basically a double A. It, it, right. th- throughout the league. Yeah, for sure. And, and, for sure. That, but, and that's the other thing. It's kind of always been that way, right? Um, guys, get you, you got, nowadays I hear somebody getting promoted to AAA, and I think... Why not just promote him to the big league? Yeah, it's almost like a, a, like, a like, wasted spot, especially for a top prospect. Like I think you, Mike Elias is more keen than most general managers of getting guys through AAA before they hit the majors, but I don't know if that's really that good of a strategy. If, I, I to, don't know. To me, if you promote Adley Rutschman to AAA, which I think the Orioles will do at some point this year. Uh, but, no, but It's almost but, like but, a demotion pitching-wise. Yeah, yeah it, it's like Adley Rutschman's going to go to AAA and hit 360. Right, exactly. It, he's yes, he he's going to go to AAA, and he's going to face a guy like Wade LeBlanc. Now, Wade LeBlanc isn't on any team right now, but it, pitchers like Wade LeBlanc, you think Adley Rutschman's not going to hit 360 off that? Exactly. These are these are 4A players, and a lot of them have never made it in the majors. Like, like a Josh Rogers is a great example. Or you know guys like this that are 4A players that have been in the majors a little bit but have never found success. These are the guys that are at AAA. Like you said, the, the majority of talents in AA. Right. And speaking of AA, Bowie loses to Binghamton last night 5-4. to four. Rutschman goes 1-4, for four, adds a walk to give him one more walk, 28, <laughs> then strikeouts, 27 this season. Love to see it. Average sits at 293. I do, um, I, I used to do Baltimore baseball tonight. I don't have time for it anymore, but I'm still part of the WhatsApp chat. Um, and somebody bet me, it, there was, it was, it was just a friendly bet, no wager. Um, I said, I bet you that by July, but this is back when Rutschman was in like 228. Mm-hmm. I said, by July, he's going to be hitting 290 or better. They're like, you mean, so I get to take 289 or, or worse? I was like, yeah. He's batting 293 yeah. right now. And his average actually dropped by going one for four last night. So, you know, I'll collect that 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 phantom money. <laughs> um, Caden Grenier, former first round pick. He was uh, taken 37th overall in the CB in the CBB, CBA, whatever it is. Um, it, it's the the competitive balance. Right, round. the competitive the, balance. The, round, the CBR, right. the competitive. Basically, the, right behind the first round. Right. essentially. The, he's considered a first round pick. Taken yeah. 37th overall. College teammate of Adley Rutschman, they both played. They they won the College World Series together. He's been hot. He went one for two last night to leave his average at two ninety four. His average was one fifty one on May twenty sixth. 
He is 22 for 49 since then with three Ooh. home runs, four doubles, and a triple to raise his average 143 points. Another guy, Blaine Knight, he continued his resurgence last night with five innings of three-hit, one-run ball, no walk, seven Ks. Former third-round pick out of Arkansas. He was mm-hmm. a Razorback. He pitched that first game of the College World Series and won against Oregon State. He lowered his ERA to 245, did not factor into the decision. And then you look at the other guys who didn't play last night, Grayson Rodriguez. He's now the number 11 overall prospect in all baseball, the number one pitching prospect, uh, which means the Orioles now have the top pitching and top catching pre- prospect in all baseball. D.L. Hall is number 44 overall. Yep, yep. Um, then another guy, He's he got promoted to Bowie. He's played in eight games. Didn't play last night. Johnny Reiser batting 432 yeah. in eight games. Yep. That guy... I didn't realize it. He's never hit below 300 yeah, anywhere. He, he is he is a hitter. Yeah, all through, all, through. all, all yeah. this dude does is hit. Now, the Orioles have a, have a loaded out, but as loaded as their outfield is, Santander's had his injury issues. Hayes. Really everyone Stewart, in that outfield. Except for Cedric Mullins. Except for Cedric Mullins. Heston right. Kerstad hasn't, and we're going to talk about this with Matt Kremnitzer a little bit later in the program. Uh, Heston Kerstad still hasn't played in any big so, in, in it, any it, professional games. I know it's not his fault at all, but it's just so frustrating that it's, you know, it's not the Orioles' fault either. It's no one's fault. It's right. just frustrating that we haven't seen our number 2 overall pick be anywhere yet. And you drafted him over slot so right. you could save some money. And he hasn't set foot on the field. Hasn't set foot on the field. But we'll talk we'll talk about that later. Uh Ironbirds lose to Bowling Green last night 5 to 3. Jordan Westberg 1 for 3 in the loss, batting 233 since promotion. I expect him to get better. It's it's a it's a, there's a learning curve. It's it's sure. A it's a small, level of talent. small sample size. This too. is the level that most people expected him to start at anyway, coming out yeah. of college. He's, he's going to take his lumps, but he'll get better. Kyle Stowers and Zach Watts, the second and third round picks in 2019, each homeward in the loss. Uh Del Marva has had three straight games postponed. Um Gunnar Henderson, he's uh, rising up in the rankings. He's now number 89 in the Baseball America Top 100. So the Orioles, Ryan Mountcastle graduates, uh, and now they still have five guys in the Top 100 as Gunnar Henderson is in there now at number 89. I I look at the Orioles' minor league pitching, and Kevin Smith, he's at Bowie, right? Kevin Smith is at Bowie for now, yes. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Smith's at Bowie. He's dominating. Blaine Knight, Bowie, dominating. Grayson Rodriguez, um, D.L. Hall. Bowie dominating, Un- unbelievable rotation. Uh, like yeah. you cannot dream of a of a better rotation with the with the minor league system has right now. They've lost a couple of games in a row and they're still twenty three and eight. Like ridiculous, it, it, it's ridiculous. And yeah. then Kyle Bradish was there. He got promoted to Norfolk and he's dominating in Norfolk too. Yep. Um. So it's just it's exciting Be- because yeah, your, your top pitch- pitching prospects have graduated to the upper levels of the minor leagues, which means they're going to be here sooner than later. Not this year. Bradish, probably this year. At I would say, Yeah, I would say Bradish is not all that far away. But, I, I think but, a couple more good starts, he could be in that talk. There is a realistic chance that next season, at some point, three-fifths of your t- starting rotation is going to be Grayson Rodriguez, Dio Hall, and Kyle Bradish. With Adley Rodriguez. <laughs> and, and John Means. And, and, yeah, and not, not, not to start the year... Not to start the year. Right, right. But at some point in 2022, 
all of those guys are going to be here. People will be frustrated because the Orioles won't put them on the opening day roster, but they've got to wait for, you know, for, to get that extra arbitration year. You've got to wait till a certain date. It's usually like May 3rd or somewhere around yeah, it's there. A, it's, it's usually er- about a month. It, yeah, it's, it's early May um, usually, and, and the, everyone will be frustrated, but then they'll come up and, and you know, I, I, I expect D.L. Hall to be the first one. I, I really think yeah. D.L. Hall, out of the three between Adley, Grayson, and D.L., I think D.L. will be that first guy. But look, like you said, Bradish could be up this year. You look at a Joey Ortiz. I mean, Joey Ortiz could be knocking on the door by September. Um, he had no uh, home runs uh, at, yeah. at what was this at Aberdeen? At Aberdeen, yeah. And he has four, 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 four already, in yeah. eleven games. He's Boone. another guy. Like if he's not on the roster by the end of this year, he easily could be by the beginning of next year or May. Like I said before, so it, it's starting to get to the point where I think. You know, most of the talent is now. Obviously, there's a lot of talent in Delmarva and Aberdeen, but obviously, right now, it's it's in Bowie and and, and some in Norfolk as well, which is just really good to see. Um, and we're gonna get stand on the fan, stand the fan on the line here in any minute while uh, while Paul keeps talking about this minor league system. I'm gonna get him on the line. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um. Yeah, it, it, guys, it's it's super exciting what we're looking at here. Uh, what's going on with the Orioles? And yeah, you watch them not win a game for 16 days. Uh, all right, we we get that they went they went fourteen straight games without a, without a loss in sixteen days. Uh, they're they're still not very good this year, but we're getting to a point where they're not going to need to sign a Jose Iglesias or Freddie Galvis uh, in, in the off season. We're getting to a point where you're going to have homegrown talent in your rotation that isn't you know. Keegan Aiken and I like right. Keegan Aiken, yeah, I mean, but this, but but the top pitching prospect in baseball. Is in the Orioles system, and he's yes. going to be here yes. at some point next year. It's, it's not, and it's not, you know, it's not a, a quality like Keegan Aiken. This and, is a and, different quality of pitcher. And 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 no knock against Keegan Aiken. I sure, like what he sure, does. Yeah. I think he's going to be yeah, a valuable bullpen arm down down the line. And Kyle Bradish. Before we get to your sounding off segment, yep. Kyle Bradish. There are scouts that are saying he sh- deserves to be in the same conversation as Grayson Rodriguez and yes. Hall. That's how yes. good this this kid is. Yep. And he came over. He came over in that trade for Dylan Bundy. Yep. That's a huge piece. If you get a guy like that for Dylan Bundy, you win that trade. I mean, immediately. I mean, if he if he even gives you any, I mean, Dylan Bundy has not given the Angels much. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah, he's been especially he's been not all right. this year. He was good last year. This this yeah, year, yeah, but it ERA, didn't really, it didn't really get them six. anywhere. I mean, it, it it hasn't really gotten them anywhere. The, the Angels are a dumpster fire, man. The fact they are. That, the fact they are. that they have only gotten Mike Trout one playoff game in his entire career Awful. is just astounding to Awful. me. Before Zach gets into uh, into um, sounding off second, we do have that coming up here in a matter of moments. We have Stan the Fan Charles waiting on the line. He'll be on in just a second. Orestes Estrade or Orestes Destrade, um, Ray's broadcaster of Fox Sports Florida. He returns to the program at 10.50. He joins us this past offseason once. Uh, the payoff pitch around the league at 11.15. Orioles banter the Matt Harvey saga is what we're calling it today. Uh, around 11.20, 11.25. Press box's own Matt Kremnitzer at 11.35. And then everybody's favorite, take to rake. Zach, yes. I started to do my notes before I saw your sounding off mm-hmm. segment. And I had this in my notes. Did you actually? And, okay. And then I saw your segment, and I took it out because yeah. you want to talk about foreign substances yes. with pitchers. So look, I mean, I think there's almost people they're up in arms about everything these days when it comes to baseball. You know, we're we're always trying to like find cheaters. There's there's whole Instagram accounts that are literally, you know, their entire the entire point of them is to you know find pitchers cheating with with any kind of substance or whatever. There's there's accounts about John Means. There's accounts about Garrett Cole. Any pitcher you can think of, they think they're finding these guys. They think they're cheating. Whatever you know, whatever substance you want to talk about, people are trying to you know nail down cheaters ever since Mike Fires you know blew the whistle on the uh, on the whole Astros situation. 
situations. Just before that. Right, and, and really before and, that, sure, yeah. with Alex Rodriguez and all that. You know, Jose Canseco wrote a whole book about it. People have always been trying to find cheaters and nail cheaters down. They want to ruin people. That's always been kind of the aim of people. And there's a lot of conversation now about spider tack. It's one of the foreign substances that pitchers are using to give more spin on their balls, get more grip on the on what they throw. It obviously can make a breaking ball break at a lot higher of a rate because it's obviously sticking to your fingers and helping you throw the ball better. Um, does it benefit pitchers? Yes. Does over like 75% of the league pitchers-wise use it? Yes. Teams literally have bought this for their pitchers, apparently, and, and what I've read this is a league-wide thing. Like there are not, I, I don't think you could find too many pitchers that aren't using some sort of foreign substance, whether it's pine tar, whether it's spider tack, whatever it is. Most pitchers are using this in some capacity. So if you decide that you're going to clamp down on this, if you're Major League Baseball and you say, you know what, we're just going to suspend everyone who uses spider tack, you're looking at who's going to pitch. Because I'm telling you right now, a majority of the pitchers in this league have used something in, at, at some period of time. So if you're going to start suspending guys, let me tell you, that's not going to work. You're going to be suspending over half the league. Let's just, let's just let the pitchers do what they want, all right? Like, you know, if the hitters want to use pine tar, the hitters can use pine tar. If the pitchers want to use spider tack, whatever. I think it makes the game more fun, personally. Well, I mean, the hitters use pine tar. On only the, a certain part of the bat, only, only the, the handle. Only, yeah. only the handle of the bat. Have you ever tried to swing a bat without it, without anything on it? Oh yeah, sure. The, the, it'll fly sure. out of your hands. Yep. You, you, you need with all the well, lack you can of use the, grip tape or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, and, and a lot of people are doing that now. Sure. But pine tar is like the original thing to keep to keep the bat in your hands. Yeah. That that I'm okay with, and I'm okay with pitchers using pine tar to get a better grip on the ball. Because when it's cold out, it's hard to grip a ball. Yes. When it's hot yep. and you're sweaty, and it's hard to get a grip on the ball. Exactly. Now, Chris yep. Rose was on 105.7 The Fan, and I listened to what he said. Okay. And they use a combination of rosin and sunscreen to get a grip on the ball. It doesn't really do anything to the spin rate. Mm-hmm. It just helps him grip the ball. I'm okay with that. Okay. He said that that combination, it's still, it's still technically illegal. It's like doing 40 in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. It's okay. illegal. Got it. But, but nobody it, really cracks down on it right. like you would on spider tack. But he said spider tack is like murder. You're breaking the law either way. Yeah, but but, but, mean, but spider tack is giving you a serious competitive advantage. I'm all for being able to grip the baseball. I am not all for using something to give you a competitive advantage. We're seeing strikeouts way up. We're seeing batting average way down. That is true. Uh, home runs are at, are at an all-time high over the last few years. Maybe they're, they're down a little bit this year. I think they probably are down, yes, down a, little a little bit, bit this yeah. year. Um, but the other to, to your point, if 75% of the league is doing it, it, it just like in, with the steroid era, I don't sure. think, don't I think mean, you can keep these guys out of the Hall of Fame because everybody was doing it, and you were still better than your contemporaries. I, I'm just going to say, I don't know the percentage of players use it, but I would I would think there are a considerable amount of, uh, of players. And, and more, more than not. Jim Palmer said it on the, pro, uh, the broadcast the other night. Pitchers have been doing this kind of stuff forever. I just think, personally, in my opinion, it makes the game more fun. It's something to watch. When guys are, are ripping off crazy breaking balls, like some of the things that you know Oliver Drake used to do with those ridiculous sliders, or Corbin Burns, or whoever it is, I I think it makes the game more fun, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not blaming anyone for doing it. I, I just think it's it's something the MLB should just relax a bit on. Well, well, people people like scoring, and it's like like the NFL has geared towards um, keeping their quarterbacks healthy, keeping their quarterbacks standing. You can't touch the quarterback basically anymore. Everything is pass interference, so they've geared towards. Yeah. 
more offense. And that's what Major League Baseball is trying to do. They're trying to gear towards more offense. And I don't know. I like a good 3-2 to two game. I, I like when the Orioles win yeah. a game 18-5, to five, but I also love a game where it, you're on the edge of your seat in the ninth inning. Sure. Uh, with that in mind, we have Stan the Fan Charles on the line. Stan, how are you this morning? I'm good, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. Once Interesting again, we, conversation. And once again, we kept you waiting. Um, but that's the best way that we can do Zach signing off segment now that he produces the show. What are your thoughts on this and how Garrett Cole handled himself in that press conference? I uh, didn't see Garrett Cole's press conference. I've been sort of following it uh, the past week or ten days. You know, I, you know the rosin bag. I don't know if a lot of people understand that that's what the purpose of the rosin bag has been mm-hmm. for years, sitting on the mound, that right. bag that pitchers touch. It's to sort of dry their hand and allow them to grip the baseball better. Uh, I think it's it's very clear that pitchers more collectively are up to the same thing with these substances. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a disagreement with uh, Zach here. I, I think the larger issue is Major League Baseball's attending to the fact that there's not enough action in a baseball game. You know, there's just not enough interesting things going on in a baseball game. And I think they're, they're coming out and saying that some of it, not all of it, is about this advantage that pitchers have now in increasing their spin rate. So, I, I'm I'm not for I'm not for mass throwing people out of games, but I think that uh, some kind of fining mechanism, um, you know, apparently Major League Baseball is conferred with uh, with MLBPA on this, you know, this uh, effort that they're going to embark upon to crack down on it. So, Yeah, I, uh, I, I heard something about possible 10-game suspensions for those caught using a foreign substance. Did you hear anything about that? I have not really heard that, and I didn't hear Garrett Cole's uh, presser. What, what did he say in that presser? Uh, Cole was extremely he, – he just kind of avoided the question completely. He was asked about it almost directly, and he, he said, right. I don't really know how to answer that question. And he went on a whole tangent about how MLB should legislate things differently. It was a very weird answer, but he mm-hmm. didn't. He clearly did not want to answer anything directly. He said something right. very okay. – he, he, he kind of – He didn't want to make an admission to using right. it. He, Correct, he, yeah. he basically admitted it without admitting it. Right. They, they asked yes. him if right. he's ever used spider tack, and he was like, I don't, I I don't, don't know, know how, how to answer, answer that yeah. question. And then he says, almost arrogantly, if Major League Baseball wants to have a conversation about mm-hmm. this, we can yeah. have a conversation. Like, who are yeah. you? Like, like yeah. we can have a conversation about this. It, it was, and there were a lot of pauses, a lot of hesitation. It was a really bad look. Not that I blame him because he's probably scared of getting suspended. I, I wouldn't blame him for doing that. You know, I, and he probably thinks, well, I've got, you know, 10 teammates that are doing the same thing, so why should I be zeroed in? You know? the, interesting, the interesting thing is the timing of this to introduce this whole conversation during, during a season. And, yeah. and you, yeah. you wonder why this isn't something that's addressed. I think they want to try and wrap, not wrap it up and put it away, but they want to wrap up how it's going to be handled before they get into the... Uh, the basic agreement uh, negotiations in earnest, you know, which are coming. But I think they want this to be acknowledged that it's a problem and MLB is going to do something about it. 
Stan, we've got this new CBA coming up that's that's going to be renewed after this year. They have to write the whole thing between the Players Association and Major League Baseball. It's obviously going to be a thing that you know may cause a, a player a, a work stoppage in early 2022. Yep. We, we may not see a start to that season. But how do you think the whole spider tax situation could affect that CBA? Is there anything going to be written into that that could change all of that? I think that it's quite possible that uh, that's why they're addressing it now rather than throwing it in really as the as the conversations between MLB and the MLBPA really heat up in earnest. You know, I'm I'm always fascinated by how negotiations take place. It seems like the owners and the union have nothing more important than getting that collective bargaining agreement in place to avoid a work stoppage. But without the clock, uh, you know, ticking and ticking and ticking before you sit down, I mean, they're not even having substantive conversations now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that they want this to be a part of those conversations. Absolutely, I think that they do. Uh, it's there's so much that's going to have to go into that CBA. I have no yeah. confidence yeah. That, that 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 there's going to be a, 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 an on time start to the 2022. I, I think Rob Manfred and uh, Tony Clark have proven that they're unable to really yeah, come they, to any kind of mutual agreement they together. Can't work In together. fact, it's so acknowledged on the on the union side that they actually have hired a, a negotiator. You know. Wow. Well, at because least, Tony at least Clark got taken. Clark got taken to the cleaners five years ago, <laughs> and uh, the players want to gain some things back that they lost in that. Well, uh, that that's uh, as a is a motto on this show. That remains to be seen. We'll see what happens wanted, with that CBA. I wanted to point one thing out about you guys and saying Dylan Bundy you know, has been a total bust and all that. Let's not forget one thing, and I'm not by any stance. Uh, say saying that Mickey Cowboy should have been allowed to work this year. I think it's pretty clear that his behavior um, is worthy of at least a you know a year long suspension, if not more. But Mickey Cowboy is a terrific pitching coach. Yeah, and Mickey Cowboy worked with Dylan Bundy last year, and he's not there this year. That's a that so, is a good point. Sam. Yeah, that is a very yeah. good point because Bundy has been far and away worse than he was last year. Oh God, year. not even not even the same in the same ballpark, so to speak. Now moving back to Dylan Bundy's former team, the Orioles. Stan, they they went sixteen days without a win, a fourteen game losing streak. They mm-hmm. lost ten games by three runs or less, seven games by two runs or less during that streak, which means they went two weeks without getting a big hit. That, that, they basically that, that's yeah. what happened. Um, but then. Until their last two losses, they go on, they win five of six immediately following this 14-game losing streak. How do you explain losing 14 games in a row and then winning five of six? There's really no good way to explain that. I mean, you know, the Orioles are are not a, a very good baseball team, uh, and they're not going to win games at a five-out-of-six pace often during the season. But the 162-game season allows for some of those crazy ups and downs. But uh, the Orioles have, uh, you know, unfortunately, they've got a lot of issues on that pitching staff still. And, uh, you know, number one is number 32, Matt Harvey. Yeah. I mean, he he has really crept into Dan Straley type numbers, Oof. you know. Uh, I, think I mean, the last, worse. what, 23, 24 innings, or no, it's uh, the last 32 innings, he's given up 24 runs, eight home runs, 
His earned run average over those last 33 innings or 34 innings is 11-something. And when you give up eight home runs in, in that amount of innings, I mean, you're giving them up way too often. Um, I, it's, it's very clear to me now watching him that his, his hubris and ego uh, that won't allow him to become a relief pitcher are, have done his major league career in. You know, there's no question, in my opinion, he could be as, at least as serviceable as a Colt Sulcer and on the, uh, on the upside, almost like a Hunter Harvey, given his outings were of one inning duration. You know, um, he just clearly can't keep yeah. the stuff that he needs to succeed over more than three innings, you know, at the max, you know. And even uh, then, he's he, given up six, seven runs in those three innings. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's just very bad. It's, it's very sad. Uh, and you know, I was, com- I found him a compelling guy, surprisingly compelling guy this season, uh, that first month of the season, you know, yeah, uh, I expected surprise. him to sort of crap out during spring training and not even come close to making the team. Yeah. Uh, he made Same the here. team and he was, his story was compelling in his relationship with, uh, Chris Holt and embracing a change in things is is was compelling to me but with each succeeding start the the compelling nature of his story became very much more revealing about his sort of dogged desire to pitch more innings to you know it's not it's not taking an accurate look at yourself in the mirror and what you have you know and and look i respect his competitiveness and that's the way the manager has answered my questions on Matt Harvey the last couple times, is he's so darn competitive. Well, that's very nice. I'm pretty competitive, too, but I can't get major league hitters out. You know, Matt Harvey could. He could be a useful piece in the bullpen. Uh, but somehow, that's, that's beneath him, and I think it's not taking a realistic look at what his future is you know, and how he could provide to make a good living in major league baseball. Uh, and, and Stan, when we're talking about Matt Harvey, I mean, you, you've talked about being a closer. Do you still think that's something that's in the cards for him or is, is it just kind of over? And and also I want to ask you before we we get done with this question too, how do you feel about the leadership presence that he brings? Because he's such a, you know, Brandon Hyde talked about how he kind of led that team through the 14 game, uh, loss streak. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't look, I'm not in the locker room. I can't, I haven't spoken to players directly about this the way you would during a regular season where you go, hey, the Matt Harvey has he been a good <laughs> teammate? I don't know, but when he, but when he's on for those two and a half minute zooms, I see a guy, somebody self self absorbed and unable to figure this thing out. I, I don't know if the answer would, would be to have him close games, but I'd really like to see if they're so fascinated by what Matt Harvey brings to the table. I'd like to see them try five one-inning outings, and let's take a look at five one-inning outings, see if he strikes out seven guys or he strikes out one guy, see if he gives up three home runs in five innings or no home runs in five innings. I have a feeling the answer would be that he'd strike out more batters per than in, you know, if he pitches five innings, I think he could strike out six or seven or eight guys. I don't think he's going to give up home runs 
as readily in those things, you know. And that's the way, whether it's as a closer or as a mop-up guy, I'd like to see how his stuff plays in one-inning outings. Yeah, it's it's something's got to happen because if Brandon Hyde said he's going to keep, he's still going to get the ball for his next start. I, I've yeah. never seen a pitcher. You have to go back to like 1998 or 99 with Doug Drabeck oh. when he had he got 21 starts and had a seven and a half ERA to see somebody right. who uh, Matt Harvey has the highest ERA in baseball among among starters with ten with ten starts. Negative one point yeah. four WAR, one point six WHIP. These are all awful. I mean, there's no there's no saving grace for Matt Harvey at all. And he and he's a he's a very you know, he's a compelling personality. I don't think he's necessarily warm and fuzzy. Again, I've talked about this before. He reminds me of the baseball equivalent of Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. except Aaron Rodgers still is performing at an incredibly high level, and Matt Harvey isn't, you know. But, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, even at this point in his career, when he went out there for that two-inning outing two starts ago, that Matt, that Brandon Hyde said he was wanted to have him make a two inning outing, and he's fighting with the manager. I don't mean he was rude or disrespectful or arrogant, but he's fighting him to, to allow him to go out a third inning. Why? That that to me isn't competitiveness. That's sort of wanting to do things my way, you know. And it's just such a far cry from the last time he compelled a manager to leave him into a ball game. Yeah, uh, the, the same. This ain't Mike Mussina or Max Scherzer. This is Matt Harvey, who hasn't been good in six, seven years. Now, somebody on the yeah. opposite side of things there stand is Tyler Wells, yet to be scored upon this month. Sub three RA since May first. I believe it was you in the post game show that asked Brandon Hyde if he's starting to view Wells as a starting rotation option. Do you anticipate him getting a crack at the rotation? Uh, you know, I'm. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Uh, whether he'll get a, a crack at the rotation or not, I would think he would he would be a compelling opener on three or four occasions over the second you know portion of the season. You know, in July, in June and July, the rest of June and July, um, and then you know I, I'm not that sophisticated to exactly know how you convert a guy who's been used to throwing one and two innings into five or six innings. So I don't know that that will take place during this season or not. Clearly, um, Michael Elias and I owe him a, uh, an apology because I thought that both uh, Spreeler and, um, and um, who are we talking about? Tyler, Tyler Wells. I, I'm, I'm, I thought they were really both going to be busts uh, and that uh, the mistake they had made in, in dropping Zach Pop off the 25-man roster. I appear to be right on Max Crioler, um, but I think I'm way off base. I think Tyler Wells, they got themselves a real fine here. I mean, somebody that can really be a solid addition to this pitching staff. How surprising <clears throat> is his success recently, given the fact that before this year he'd only played six games of Double A baseball? Well, he'd had some he'd had some injury issues. You know, he had that reconstructive surgery to his shoulder. Uh, and that's why he was not protected by the Minnesota Twins. Uh, and clearly, you know, I'm guessing this is a case where Mike and Sig had had him with stars next to him back when he was, you know, eligible to be drafted. And that's all of a sudden they said, hey, look at us. This guy's available. And they did some research and homework <coughs> and, um, and made a, a, 
you know, what looks right now like a brilliant selection. Yeah, uh, and this was a guy that when they took him, I looked at him and I looked at Sorola and I thought to myself, Tyler Wells looks like the better of these two guys, but Sorola was the one who was taken <clears throat> first, which was, you know, surprising. Well, you know, and he also odd. has the little little thing about being Ben McDonald's nephew, yeah. but uh, that's not stopping him from from his performance not being really even close to, to Tyler Wells. Now, another piece of this... And, and again, Tyler Wells, could he be a piece at the front end of games? Certainly. Uh, you know, given time to, to convert. Uh, but he also is a compelling relief pitcher, too. You know, he's six, what, six, seven? I mean, he's a big boy out there. He's imposing. And as Brandon Hyde said in answering my question, what I really like about him, he just keeps throwing strikes. Yeah. He looked, I thought he looked very good against the Rays. He got into a little bit of a jam there, um, I believe, in his second inning of work, but was able to work his way out of it without allowing a run. I thought he looked great last night yep. in a big situation, in a close game. They said that you were going to put him in more high leverage situations. It's a 3 2 ball game at that point. You're trying to keep the Orioles close, and he came in and he did a job against arguably the best listen, team in baseball right now. Listen, their acquisition of him smacks of something that the Tampa Bay Rays would have done, yep. you know. Pick up a guy like that and make him useful in whatever role possible. Now, speaking of the Tampa Bay Rays, if 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 our listeners want to go uh, and look on at pressboxsportsonline.com, uh, they can find your power rankings. And at the top of your power rankings list this week, Stan, is the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, this is a team that they they lost Blake Snell, they lost Charlie Morton, uh, and yet they're still they have the best record in baseball. They have fantastic pitching. They've averaged in their last. 26 games, they've averaged almost six and a half runs per game while allowing just over three runs per game. How is this team getting it done, and do you expect them to repeat as AL champions? Um, right now, I would say they have an excellent chance to repeat as American League champions. Um, one of the things, they are they're a tough team to face on any level. In other words, their batters have a very tough approach they make pitchers they remind me in some ways of the yankees when the yankees were really good in winning four championships they make pitchers throw a lot of pitches and that's what they did last night with keegan aiken uh unless you're really focused uh your pitchers are really focused against their hitters they're going to be the ones that are getting into the hitters counts uh rather than the pitcher getting into the pitchers counts uh, they've done it with, um, you know, across the board, their ability to develop to first find talent and then develop talent is second to none in Major League Baseball. And what's most amazing about it is that they're doing it with the kind of budget that they're doing it with. It, it, it's it amazing. Just, it's it's an amazing story. It really is. They don't sign anybody to long term contracts. You can look at Kevin Kiermaier and Evan Longoria, and that's about it. Nobody yep. gets a big contract. They lose players on a regular basis, and yet year in and year out, they have ninety to ninety five wins. They're in the playoffs, and every now and again, they make it to the World Series. They haven't gotten over the hump of winning one yet, but they do this every year. And every year, I'm shocked. Maybe I need to just stop being so surprised by this team. I think you should stop being so surprised at it. I mean, they are a very, very good team. And uh, while I haven't written my next week's uh, MLB panel rankings, and Tampa this week so far is only 2-1, and one, 
the fact that their last uh, two games of the week are against the Orioles make me think that they'll either be three and two or four and one and uh, good enough to stay in first place right now. Absolutely, Stan. We got to get a break, but we love talking. Just with real you, quick, always. just real quick, my yes, uh, latest Tony Larusa story. Again, this has to do with my fantasy team. I've got Liam Hendricks on my team. Last night, he brings Liam Hendricks in to get the save in the ninth inning, which ended up being a blown save. What other manager in baseball would bring in the best closer in baseball to throw one pitch before a 45-minute rain delay and then bring that pitcher back out? Tony La Russa did that last night. Yeah, I... I, I... I mean, I was absolutely, you know, smack dab. My my eyes were popping out of my head. He did know? get the win for you. I don't know how that counts in your in your uh, fantasy. It league, got me but... a win, but he gave up a two run homer to mm-hmm. Daz Cameron on the first uh, first pitch fastball that was about ninety five miles an hour when he usually is at ninety seven, ninety eight miles an hour. There, there's no other manager in baseball that you know. They always are very careful about. Starting a baseball game so your starter doesn't warm up and then get get caught in a rain delay situation. Right. That's why sometimes they delay games when it doesn't look like they should. I, I just think if that was at all possible, he had to air the opposite way and bring in another relief pitcher bef- before that. Uh, it's just terrible, terrible managing. Yeah, terrible managing. They ended up getting the win, though. They're still in first place. Yep. So yep. they're Stan, third in my power rankings. I'll see you guys next week. Right, Thank well, you. We'll talk next week. Have Bye-bye. a great weekend. See Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Stan the Fan. Charles joining us for his weekly segment here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. And just a reminder, Stan the Fan, Charles, has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan caught up with former Orioles outfielder Jack Voigt, and Stan and Gary did a special show previewing the upcoming BMW Championship at Caves Valley. Caves Valley is a great golf course. Great golf course. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up on Monday, Stan and Ross welcome Bowie Bay Sox play-by-play voice Adam Pohl. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at c3america.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. we got to get a break. When we come back from Fox Sports Florida, we have former Major League Baseball, first baseman, and current Rays broadcaster Orestes Destrade. Hey, this is Chris Rowan from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bella Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. 
It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip the devil's backbone brewing company free wings or lots of other great prizes enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary the 25th anniversary menu is available through june 20th come in for great food good sports and family fun if it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, so. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jake. K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. It's the great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Planet Kyle, too tight for dandy. He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. Sports in Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel they take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100 foot media wall 47 foot big screen 40 hd tvs extensive beer selection big eats in venue gaming bowling and more the perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers they're raising the sports bar at sports and social maryland come see for yourself Book your table at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you a pro wrestling fan? We have a great weekly podcast for you as Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, Brandon Linton, and former Maryland football player turned NXT star AJ Francis host Jobbing Out. They break down the latest in WWE, AEW, and more with an array of tremendous guests. On this week's show, the guys previewed NXT TakeOver In Your House and caught up with WWE Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett 
J E double F J A double R E double T. That was his thing. That was his thing back in the nineties. And the pod father, Conrad Thompson, click on the jobbing out logo at pressboxonline.com slash radio or search for jobbing out wherever you find podcasts. <laughs> I don't know what I was. That, that was a really, really weird, uh, <laughs> really weird transition right there. But Hey, uh, look, we, we, uh, we were having, we're having some trouble getting, uh, Orestes on the line here. Um, it's, I'll blame myself. He asked me to text him at 10.30 this morning to remind him, and I texted him at 10.37. I was a little bit late um, doing a show. You know what I mean? So I, I, I kind of got sidetracked. <laughs> not a, a, not a, a big deal. Not a, a big deal. A, a little bit. If we don't get Orestes, that's okay. They're going to play the Rays again this year. We'll get them on again some other time. We can always just talk about the Rays ourselves, so we're going to do just that. Uh, last night, Tampa Bay defeated the Orioles 4-2, like I said in the beginning. This isn't a game I lament for the Orioles. The Rays shut down a lot of offenses, right? Um, Jorge Lopez, he's going to take one from Oriole Rich Hill today at 410. Uh, Hill, was he never, never even sniffed success here in Baltimore. But 41 years old, he's dominating. When he's healthy, he's just as good as just about any pitcher uh, in baseball, he's not Max Scherzer or Kershaw or Jacob Degrom, but he's a guy that you can trust to go out there, throw that big looping curveball seventy percent of the time, and get guys out. And he—that's why he's still pitching at forty-one years old. He's got about a three and a half ERA, doing a great job. I actually, I think his ERA is lower than that, but doing a great job there pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, but but I want to know, this guy throws basically nothing but curveballs. Zach, how? Do people? How do players not hit this pitch when they know it's coming? How is it that good? I mean, it's like the Mariano Cutter, I guess. It's just one of those pitches that you you have such a feel for that you're able to throw it over and over and over again without getting guys to catch up to it. Um, you know, he's had a long career. He's a guy who's been around for you know, like you said, an Oriole a long time ago. A guy that's always been, you know, a, a very very uh, a solid pitcher. I would call him nothing. You know, he's never going to be the ace of your staff. And of course, he was on teams with Clayton Kershaw and everything. But I think he's found himself a a you know a role with the, with the Rays. He's found himself a spot. Um, I don't know if he makes up for Blake Snell, but like you said, I mean, he throws curveballs, he gets guys out. He's been he's 41 years old. He's been effective enough to get guys out. So I, I don't know how he, he gets away with that over and over and guys don't catch up, especially with analytics these days. It kind of tells everyone how to hit the ball, you know, how to hit certain pitches, where they're locating it, all of that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It, it's just, it's that good for Rich Hill. And this is a guy, he's dealt with a lot of blister issues yeah. in his career. And um, so that's basically why he misses time. It's never really a structural thing. It's blisters because of his grip on that curveball. Yeah. Uh, but look, when he's in there, he's effective. He and is. M- maybe, maybe he'll give you five innings. Maybe he'll give you seven innings. You never really know what you're going to get from him but other than a guy who's going to go out there and he's going to keep you in ball games. I remember yeah, sure, sure. when he was pitching for the Dodgers, he, took, he had a no-hitter. He had a no-hitter. And he took it into the 10th inning. Wow, okay. And not only did he not get the no-hitter, he gave a one-hit and it was a walk-off home run. Oof. The Dodgers lost one to nothing. What year was that? Do you remember? That was like, oh man, that was, it was recent. It was like 2016, okay. 2017, okay. Yeah. maybe mm-hmm. even 2018. I just remember watching this guy and MLB Network was like, Rich Hill has a no-hitter through nine innings. It's like, oh my God. So we go and we turn the game. I turn the game on. The Dodgers don't score. He comes out to pitch the bottom of the ninth inning. And gives up a walk-off home run. And you're like, are you, are you, fr- 
freaking kidding me? It's a jinx. The, it's a the, jinx. The Dodgers couldn't score one freaking run for this guy to get a to get a no hitter. He had to come out and pitch a tenth inning to try for that no hitter and gives up the walk off. The only hitter he allows, and it's yeah, a walk off yeah, home run for sure. I, I I don't know. Like I said, I mean, he's never going to be the ace of any staff. He's never going to be the best pitcher on the field. But that's kind of the the I guess the greatness about him that he's always a guy you can, you can rely on. You know, kind of like a Charlie Morton. You know, he's kind of, he, he's a lot like a Charlie Morton who is always a guy you can just rely on to come out there. You know, on the older side of things and give you a solid game. You know, I I don't think many teams want to run into Rich Hill. He's just effective and he's you know he just kind of he just kind of gets through everything. He he's not electric. He's not dominating. He just gets through it and he, he pitches well. I look at him the way I look at Zach Granke. That's fair, too. I, I mean, Granke obviously has had the better career, but G- sure. G- Granke's had the better career, but, but I mean where Zach Granke is now mm-hmm. in his career. Mm-hmm. Zach Granke's not topping out higher than like no. 85. No. Right? So, <laughs> it's amazing. But, but the dude knows how to pitch. You look at Zach Granke, he's 37 years old. He's like 6-2. and two. Yeah. With like a 318 ERA. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing like 60 mile an hour EFIS curveballs, and yeah. it's, it's just like nobody can touch it. The guy knows how to pitch. Rich Hill, right. you don't pitch in this league for as long as Rich Hill has. You don't pitch in this league at 41 years yeah. old if you don't know how to pitch. Right. The, the guy, you, you got When you don't have overpowering stuff, and he certainly doesn't. You've got to be finesse. You've got to be finesse. You got. You've got to have pitchability, and he has pitchability. You know. Um. Yeah, now he, this is. He does his job day in and day out. Exactly. And I don't. I don't think many people are ever upset when Rich Hill's on the mound. He's just he unless does the, unless he, you're facing him. Unless you're facing him, sure. He just does the job. He's reliable, and he does the job. He's like an old workhorse. I mean, he just comes out there and does what you expect. Yeah, and apparently, if I remember correctly, incredible Harry Carey impression. Really? Yeah, you look it up really? on YouTube if you get if you get. If <laughs> we'll you get the we'll have to play that in the next intro of the show. I, I, incredible Harry Carey impression. He used to read the lineups for the Cubs when he was back when he was a young guy pitching for the Cubs. He would read the lineups uh, on their on I think it was on WGN, and he would do it in Harry Carey's voice. He was pretty wow. damn pretty okay. damn good. Now look, the Rays they were nineteen and nineteen. Yeah. On May twelfth, they've gone twenty one and five since then. I couldn't figure it out because I would have to go through all thirty team schedules to figure this out. But that's got to be the best mark in baseball. It's it, probably it, one of them. Um, it's got to be the best. It twenty one and five in the last twenty six games. They're averaging more than six runs a game during that stretch, and they're only allowing three point two seven runs per extremely game. Extremely good. The crazy thing about this, the crazy thing. By the way, their run differential in that stretch is like a hundred. Uh, they, they they're like plus a hundred in those in those twenty six games. They only have two players batting above 260. Mm-hmm. And they're tied for sixth in the league in home runs, but they're basically seventh. And then there's three teams that are tied towards the bottom uh, at 68 home runs apiece. So they're basically middle of the pack. It never makes sense to me. It, it never in, does. In home runs. And yet, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're scoring runs. There must be a hell of a lot of sack bunts and sacks wise <laughs> you, on this team. You said something to Stan a few minutes ago that I thought was interesting. Um, you said, I always doubt this team, and then they prove me wrong. Should I stop doubting them? And I I feel like everyone does. Like I, I feel like the Rays come out every year and they put together kind of a subpar lineup. The pitching is always good because the Rays always have good pitching. And, mm-hmm. you, and they have so many good guys coming up through the pipeline, like a Brandon McKay, Brent Honeywell, all of those guys. They've always produced them well. But you look at the lineup with guys like Manuel Margot, who are fine players, nothing crazy. Um, you look at a Kevin Kiermaier, great fielder, not a great hitter. It's just stacked with you know kind of subpar players. They're not they're not great. You know you don't have an Aaron Judge on that team. You don't have a Mike Trout on that team, and Your they get by. Your best hitter is Joey Wendell. Yeah, Joey Wendell. I mean, Joey Wendell was a backup player when he came into this league. Yeah. So it's. 
it's amazing to me how they always get by, and I think everyone kind of underrates this team. And then they do, they just, they know how to play as a team, number one, and they rally behind the pitching, and they're able to use the pitching as a, as a tool to win the game offensively because but, they can score so little runs. But but and th- but that's the other thing, they're averaging six and a half runs a game, which is which is really good. The, yes. the last twenty, <laughs> like like what? Uh, yeah. And this is Randy Rosarena is hitting two sixty one with seven home runs. This is a guy who hit like 400 with 10 home runs in the playoffs last year to yeah. burst onto the scene. I picked him to win Rookie of the Year this year because I... I mean, he's been fine, he's but been he hasn't fi- been... But he's hitting 261, man. Right, right. He has seven home runs in 60-plus games, and he hit 10 in 15 games I mean, he, last, he, he, last he's fall. Al- he's almost hitting around the same that Ryan Mountcastle is. Like, if you look at the two lines, it's, it's almost the same. Maybe a little bit o- better OPS for Randy, but it's almost the same. It's not that far off. It's... The fact that there's, uh, I, I'd have to look further into it. There's got to be a lot of productive outs, like a lot yeah. of productive outs on I, this team. Uh, if we're looking at this right now, there are only three OPSs over 800 on this whole in this whole starting lineup, and there are a lot under under 700, which is horrible, obviously. But they're blowing um, teams away. They're blowing, they're blowing teams away. away. Yeah. Right. It, it, it doesn't make... And not only that, they traded Willie Adamas. Well, I'm a big Willie Adamas fan. I do like him. You except, would be. Except, except when he plays the Orioles. I hate that <laughs> because he always seems to beat up on the Orioles. But Willie Adamas is a guy that I've always really admired, really liked as a player. They trade him. You bring up Taylor Walls. And, of course, Taylor Walls, you know, he, he's been you know very solid defensively. Adamas wasn't tearing the cover off the ball either. And Walls isn't, you know, by any means either. He has, a, you know, a, right now a pretty decent OPS. He's got a 730 OPS. But, look, I mean, the Rays continually find ways to keep themselves in it and produce players. You trade a guy like Adamas, who was your starting shortstop for, what, three, four years now? Yeah. You replace him with Taylor Walls, who's not Juan Franco. He's not Vital Brujan. You replace him with, with Taylor Walls, and he, he's a, a, a replacement that may be even better than what Willie Adamas provided you this year. It's amazing the pipeline they produce. Well, and, and here's the other thing. This Taylor Walls kid, he, he's a stopgap. Right, sure. To, for, because for Wander Franco, Wander Franco, three thirty-two batting average oh, in parts of three it. minor league seasons, uh, slashing three twelve, three seventy-four, five eighty-four in his first taste of AAA. He's coming, right? Top prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, is he still just nineteen years old? Nineteen. I want to say old? he's nineteen. Yeah, he he is extremely young. But I will look at that. I he, will look that up for us. He's coming. Do you expect him to hit the ground running at, at the major league level? No, because I always think that's that's really hard to do. I mean, you look at a Gavin Lux. I was never so positive that the guy, a guy like Gavin Lux was going to hit the ground running in the majors, and he still hasn't found it. Um, that's one of the best hitters I've ever seen in the minors. Look at Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Guerrero did not hit the you know junior obviously did not hit the ground running really in the majors. He was fine. You know he had like a you know hit like 250, 260 that first year. He was fine, but he wasn't the number one prospect where he was hitting four hundred in AAA. Yeah. Um, you know, no, he was. Well, he, 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 he is was. now. He is now. Well, no, no. But when 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 Vlad Guerrero Jr. was in AAA, he was dominating. Oh yes, he was. Do- I'm saying, he, but when he, when he made that major league debut, that first year, oh, that yeah, small stretch he won had, the home run derby. Yeah, he did in that year. Yeah, but he he certainly did not hit the ground running. And I think a lot of people expect prospects too. And it'll be the same thing with Adley Rutschman when he comes up, or Wander yeah. Franco, and, and the same thing with Gavin Lux. Like I said, Jared Kelnick. Now that we see, you know, Jared what Jared Kelnick has done so far, um, guys rarely really hit the ground running because it is so hard to hit in the major leagues. Yeah, and like you said, the gap maybe never has been bigger between AAA and the major leagues as it is right now. Um, but look, I look at Wander Franco in the same light that I look at Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, and Juan yeah. Soto, which just, is scary, just, just, really scary. Just young dudes that know how to. It's scary. 
Until you think about the fact that he's probably going to play four years in Tampa Bay and then get traded someplace else. Yeah, you're not wrong. You know but what I mean? Franco is now 20 years old, I should mention. He is now 20 years oh, old. Oh, he's so old now, man. Yeah, but, it's, know, that, that's, he's not 19. I don't want him. I don't want him. That is so, so concerning for the rest of the AL East. But, you know, if you look across the Rays, Wander Franco will be, I would think, the, the best offensive producer. But then again, they've got guys like Vidal Bruhan are coming up, who is another one of the really best prospects in baseball. I think ML, uh, or Baseball America now has him ranked in the top 30 very highly now i want to say like 19th or something so uh but you know they they, they just consistently produce these guys and it's never going to stop unfortunately they're, they're, they're pipelines top five in, yeah in, oh in, yeah in i would say top two honestly it's year, top two. year in year out uh, they, they who's whoever's running that organization is doing a hell of a job Doing a hell of yeah. a job. Yeah, and a lot of people thought it was Heim Bloom, and now Heim Bloom is running the Red Sox, and you know now whoever is running the the day to day operations for the the Rays is doing an incredible job. Well, it's you have it's a trickle down effect. It's the same thing sure. that happened with the sure. Ravens. Ozzie Newsome, yep. hell of a GM. He 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 steps away. Eric DeCosta. Eric DeCosta could have been a, G, a general manager anywhere, anywhere in the yes, league. Yes, he got multiple offers, and, and he stayed because he knew he was the next in line. And he Baltimore. knew, and he knew he would, you know, have a chance to win, which is probably the same thing that happened with the Rays. Right, right. So before we get to a break here, um, I do want to say one last thing about the Rays. They're in first place, where they seem to be every year. Yep. In a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the resurgent Blue Jays, whose rebuild happened in the blink of an eye, which is but, amazing. By the way, Still amazing like, to like, me. Like, screw some... you, Toronto. Yeah. Well, what honestly happened there? You know, you br- you just start bringing up these guys almost before they're ready. Like, a Ka- Kevin Biggio was not ready when he yeah. made his major league debut. But but the, here's the thing: they drafted and signed all these guys, like a Vlad mm-hmm. Jr., like mm-hmm. a Dante, like, like a Kevin Biggio, like a Bo Bichette, um, Lourdes Gurriel. Yeah. They drafted and signed all these guys when they were still good. And then they lost for two years, and now they're good again. It's got to be the quickest rebuild in history. Honestly, it is. I it's mean, insane. It, I wouldn't even call it a rebuild. It's Honestly, not. It was, it's it a retool. More, more of a retool, exactly. Just, just get what you know. Get what you need to get back to being competitive. Not really tear it down. They never tore it down. Honestly, right. they never did. Even though they lost, I, I believe, a hundred games for what two seasons? I want to or close I don't to think it. They lost a hundred games. They I'm didn't. Not, okay. I, I, don't okay, ever, I mean, you can you can look it up for us. I, I, don't, will, I, I don't. I don't recall them losing a hundred games. But the fact of the matter is. They didn't even have a rebuild. It's right, not, it's, it's, right. It's not freaking fair, man. It's just not fair. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very it's what it is. It's great management. It's yeah. really good management and and commit and, and, and an commi- incredible eye for talent. Yes, and, and committed ownership. The ownership com- clearly committed to exactly what needed to happen. Obviously, this was never going to happen in Baltimore that way. But the Blue Jays, like you said, resurgent for sure. Yeah, and, and, you know what though, it is happening in Baltimore. It, it, oh, it, yeah, just at a slower it, slower it, rate. And it, oh my god, man, it, it's like I, I look at it. And I used to sit and look at this rebuild, and we'll talk about it more, but I, I used yeah. to sit and look at this rebuild and be like, oh, God, it's going to take forever. We're almost there. Like, we're, like, we're almost there. We're yes. almost there. We're almost you're there. looking another year or two before your top prospects in, base, in your organization get here, and there's some of the top prospects in all baseball. And, and oh, man, this is going to be a tough t- – two years from now, this division's going to – it already maybe is the best division in baseball – Two years from now, this is by far and away going to be the best division in baseball. Oh, There's no doubt. not going to be a weak team in the division. No doubt. Not, not going to be a weak team. Now, um, the reason that I'm even talking about this, with the Rays being back in first place, we know what the standings are right now. Boston's a game yeah. back. Yep. Yankees are six and a half back. Toronto's like eight and a half back. Something like that. Sure. Um, who's the biggest threat? And, and, the, the, and I had this question for Orestes, and I was going to preface it by saying, I know the politically correct answer is none of these teams are out of it. Yeah, right. But the right. general 
feeling, your honest-to-God opinion, do the Yankees and Blue Jays have it in them to get back into the hunt here? Blue Jays, maybe. Yankees, no. That is my opinion. I don't think the Yankees have it. And, and there's rumor that they're going to sell at the deadline. The Yankees are already looking to to possibly try to tear it down a little bit. Obviously, they'll be back in a year. It'll take them a yeah. year. It'll take them a year to retool, just like the Blue Jays did, and get back to it. Well, but it's easy to retool when uh, you can spend two hundred twenty. Yeah, exactly. But the Yankees are realizing they've made some really bad mistakes lately. You know, Aaron Hicks got a massive contract, and the guy's really He's not a very good baseball good. player. He's not good. Um, really massive. I mean, really massive contract. It was six years with with something like a hundred and something million. It was crazy. Um, for a guy like Aaron Hicks, who was a good defender, I guess he's you know he's he's an average defensive center fielder. Guy can't hit at all. Um, and you know you look at Gary. And he San- can't stay healthy. And he can't stay healthy. And Gary Sanchez, you know, can't, obviously can't hit his way. Can't hit his way out of anything. A paper bag, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, just to be clear, I say can't hit his weight. Can't hit his weight. Uh, he can't hit his way out of a paper bag either. Yeah, so yeah. that's another good expression for it. But I want to mention also that t- 2019 Toronto Blue Jays lost 95, so almost yeah. close to 100 games. But um, and they lost 89 in 2018. So right. they were they were on a very bad streak there. 86 in 2017. So they. They lost a lot of games right in a row, but they were able to really bring this back very quickly with never having not, a hundred loss season. Not at the level of the Orioles or the Astros no, no. or the Cubs no. in these rebuilds. The White Sox. I mean, you could you could go on the, but, the Padres. What they've done. Let's get back to the. I mean, we we have some time. We, sure, it's sure. our show. Whatever. We if we run to twelve thirty, who cares? Unless you got something to do. You got, <laughs> no, a, hot, I've you got, got a hot lunch. I've, today? I've got nothing today. All right, I've got so, nothing today. I got to work at four, but whatever. Um. We'll stay till four. Who cares? No, well, um, let's just do a show till four o'clock today. Yeah, it's oh man. the bat around for about seven hours. Right. <laughs> so the Yankees, man, I look at that team, and you're paying John Carlos Stanton a, a a a ton of money, right? And you have and he's and, and you're, you're paying DJ LeMayhew a ton of money. Yeah. And you signed yeah. him. He was like already 31, 32 years old when you signed him. But it's, it's like so dumb. It's like what are you doing? Yeah. The and, six, and, he would have been thirty. I remember sounding off about this. He would have been thirty nine years old when that contract is over, and he probably will be thirty nine yeah, yeah. years old when that contract is over. And and then you have Judge coming up, and you have to determine if you want to give. You can't let Judge go, right? Yeah. But if he can't stay on the field... He, he's never on the field. I mean, this guy is never on the field. Like, it, it's it's like Austin Hayes. I mean, you all the talent in the world stacked at everything he does. He's incredible. Can't stay on the field. It's, it's, and that might be the first and last time you ever hear somebody compare Austin Hayes to Aaron Judge. Well, of course, of course, of course. But, but, Throwing and, and, arm, and, maybe. And, and here's the thing. He's coming up, right? He's coming up soon. Yeah. You're looking at... 17, 18, 19, 20. This is his fifth big league Yeah, season. I believe he has one more or maybe two more years of arbitration. Yeah. He's going to want a big contract. He is. He's going to want to cash in. Right. And when he's on the field, he's worth the money. But yeah. he can't stay on the field. Yeah. Uh, are you going to give him 10 years, 300 million? You can't. Right? You cannot give Aaron Judge that money. But at the same time, you can't let a talent like Aaron Judge walk out the door. Right. Right, it's it's. He's been hurting almost every season he's played in. Not now. almost uh, every season. Yeah, every season. I Except mean, for his rookie year, he's 155 been hurt. games he played in that rookie year. 112 the next year. 102 the next year. Only half of the 2020 season, and then so far, I believe he's played almost every game this year so far. Yeah, but, but that you're, won't you're, last. You're, yeah, it's not going to last. You, and and the, the thing is, and it's the same, same thing with John Carlos Stanton. They're basically the same dude. Yeah. The six foot seven, 275 pounds of solid muscle. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Doesn't tend to bode well for a long big league career when you right. need to be flexible and sure. a- a- able sure. to bend and move. Like, like, 
yeah, you are in great shape, man, but how are you going to play 162 games on a body like that? Yeah, it just doesn't really happen. And, uh, you know, when these guys are more on the trainer's table than they're on the field, the Yankees definitely have to consider what the best option is for them there. But I, I do think the Yankees, like you said, I mean, they can't let Aaron Judge walk because if they do that, they will be crucified because New York fans are, they will crucify you for anything you do. They want Brian Cashman fired. He has something like five World Series titles to his name. So, you know, they, they, but none in 12 years. Not yet. It's been a long time now, 2009. But, um, you know, you, you look at what the Yankees have done. I don't think they've built a competitive product right now. I, I don't look at the pitching and go, besides Garrett Cole, and, you know, Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter, but Corey Kluber, you know... He's how, injured. Isn't he out for, like, two to three months I now? believe he's, he's out for a little while. Um, and, and Corey Kluber is not going to be the answer to what you're going to... He's not going to be the guy that decides to win you a World Series. You, you know, Jamison Tyon, come on. I mean, uh, these d- are d- not... D- Domingo Herman, no, he's, uh, he's fine. Luis Severino hasn't pitched in a decade. Yeah. It, you <laughs> know, it, it's... Whatever, man. It, you know the, the worse the Yankees are, the happier I am. So I'm, you're not wrong. I, I I just think that they would be they would be best off selling as soon as possible because yeah, no, they're they're not a competitive. Product. You got to wonder who they're going to sell and who's going to pick up some of these guys. We got yeah. we got to get another break. Uh, we're coming to you live from Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Just want to remind you, real real quick. If I can. real real quick, real real quick, not just real quick. Give the gift of golf this Father's Day. Lord knows I love golf. That's why I missed the show last week. Tickets to the 2021 BMW Championship in Baltimore are available now at BMWChampionship.com. That's the read. That's the line. That's it. All right. I guess we're we're going to break right now. Two sentences. (laughs) We're going to break. When we get back, we're going to do the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit DEIWC.com. 
C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le champion. Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to the Bataround, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I'm your host, Paul Valley. Join with me, joining me, as always, is Zach Goodman. Uh, I almost asked you how you're doing today because it's almost like the beginning. I'm of the, doing good. Uh, it's 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 raining outside today. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, no, it's not supposed to rain today. Is it? Oh, uh, I it, I'm, it I'm, looks like it would. I mean, I'm like, supposed uh, to play some baseball oh, tomorrow okay. tomorrow morning. I'm hoping the rain holds off until tomorrow afternoon. Although I'm supposed to play golf tomorrow, I make the most out of my. Off you, days, you're making right? the most out of every day in a Toyota Rav Four. Available in hybrid and gas only models. <laughs> we got that library coming up here for you on the batter out. Excellent, excellent segue, my man. Excellent. So anyway. It's now time for the payoff pitch around the league. Trey Mancini hit a two-run homer, but the only but it was the only damage allowed by Ryan Yarbrough, who tossed six innings of three-hit ball, and Brandon Lau provided a big blow, blasting a two-run go-ahead home run off Keegan Aiken to give the Rays the lead for good as they held on to beat the Orioles 4-2. Nolan Arenado had two hits and three RBIs, but Jock Peterson stole the show for the Cubs with three hits and three RBIs of his own, including his eighth home run to lead Chicago over the Cardinals 8-5. Max Scherzer left the game in the first inning with apparent groin injury, mm. and the Nationals mustered just two hits, while a Buster Posey solo home run in the fourth inning provided all the scoring the Giants would need as they beat the Nationals one to nothing. Anthony DiSclefani went to distance, collecting eight Ks to pick up his sixth win, faced just one batter over the minimum. In his second complete game of the season, a little fun fact for you, he only had one career complete game in like five or six seasons coming into wow. this year. He has two this year. Max Scherzer is believed to be day-to-day. Uh, Vlad Jr. hit his major league leading 19th home run and drove in three, but the Red Sox, who trailed 5-4 in the 8th, scored once in the 8th and once in the 9th to walk off the Blue Jays 6-5. Alex Verdugo picked up three hits in the win, including the walk-off single 
If the season ended today, and I saved this little nugget for you, Vlad Jr. would win the Triple Crown wow. in the American League. He just might. Uh, he, he could. Uh, th- that guy made made a commitment. He lost 40 pounds over the yeah. offseason. Now he's raking. It worked. I it, remember we talked about last year about him losing weight. He would get better, and now that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, I, I said that I thought he was going to eat his way out of the league like Dimitri, yeah. who was also a very good hitter. Joey Votto homered and drove in four. Nick Castellanos added a homer and two RBIs of his own to help the Reds over the over the Rockies 11-5. to Ryan McMahon homered and drove in three for the losing Rockies. Aaron Savale struck out 11 and allowed just one hit, retiring his final 22 batters that he faced over eight shutout innings. And Bobby Bradley homered and drove in three to pace the offense as the Indians beat the Mariners 7 to nothing. The Mariners were shut out for the eighth time this season. They've also been no hit twice. Ouch. Uh, Diaz, is it Diaz Cameron or Cameron Diaz? No, it's, it's Diaz Cameron. Sure. Uh, Diaz Cameron picked up his first big league home run, a two-run game-tying shot in the bottom of the ninth for Detroit, but it was Jermaine Mercedes, who has been struggling mightily recently, who played the hero with a game-winning sack fly in the 10th to lead the White Sox over the Tigers 5-4. to four. Jacob deGrom stole the show. As per usual on Friday night, the Major's best pitcher allowed just one hit with 10 Ks over six shutout innings, and he also drove in two with a fifth-inning single to lead the Mets over the Padres almost single-handedly, 3-2. Wow. DeGrom became the fastest player to 100 strikeouts in the season in Major League history. He also has the lowest ERA at 0.56 of any pitcher in history through 10 starts in the season. He also has more RBIs, five, than earned runs allowed, four, this season, his ERA is currently exactly half that of Bob Gibson's record 112 ERA in wow. 1968. This guy is unfreaking believable. Unfreaking believable. Hit the ball too. He can hit. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. Yeah. You always say it. Hit the ball. Hit the ball. He can I, hit the ball. He, he can hit the he, ball. He, he can hit the ball. Well, what do you want to say? He can strike the ball with his bat with <laughs> with his long, with his long wooden uh, piece of maple made by Rawlings. Like, what, what, what do you want to say here? <laughs> he can hit the <laughs> ball. Chaz. <laughs> Jazz Chisholm Jr. had two hits and drove in two, and Sandy Alcantara tossed six shutout innings and two run balls. The Marlins held off the held off the Braves four to three. Jose Altuve homered for the third straight game, and Michael Brantley went a perfect four for four to lead the Astros over the Twins six to four. Christian Yelich, who has been miserable the last two years, doubled and drove in two to back Brandon, Brandon Woodruff's seven solid innings as the Brewers took care of the Pirates seven to four. Elvis Andrews had two hits, none bigger than his ninth-inning game-winning single as the, as the Athletics walked off the Royals 4-3 to for their Major League best sixth walk-off win. Salvador Perez had three hits, including two solo home runs for the Royals in the loss. Wow. The Dodgers hit five home runs, and Clayton Kershaw allowed one unearned run with nine Ks and six innings to pick up his eighth win in the 12-1 route of the Rangers. And Shohei Ohtani, my pick for MVP, struck out eight over five innings of two-run ball and also contributed two doubles and an RBI while Kurt Suzuki homered in a three-for-three night at the plate as the Angels took down Arizona 6-5 to in ten innings randomly. And I had to check this like three times. The Phillies and Yankees had a Friday night off as they begin a two-game series this afternoon. And now to talk about that and more with the action across Major League Baseball, we have Zach Goodman. Have you seen that meme with uh, with the Bugattis in the trailer park and people people labeling them Mike Trout and Shohei Otani? Have I you have, seen that? 
It's too uh, perfect. It's I just too, tried, to, tried to talk way away from the it, it's microphone. Uh, it's I, too accurate. You need it, to see that if oh, you it, have it. I, I can imagine. That it, it sounds incredibly accurate. It's it's sad what the, what the Angels are failing to do with guys like that. Anyway, 2 p.m., it's Gosman and the Giants. He's like the Cy Young favorite right now against Eric Fetty and the Nationals. 4 p.m., Jamison Tyon and the Yankees face off against the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. The Royals, they'll visit O.co to take on the Athletics, where the Athletics look for their 38th win of the year. The O's will take on the Rays as Jorge Lopez looks to build on what has been a, a string of many solid starts. Uh, the Angels, they'll take on the D-backs, former Alex Oriole, Alex Cobb, he'll take the hill. Uh, the Reds... For, former Alex Oriole. Former, former Oriole, Alex Cobb. If I can spit <laughs> this out. There's a lot of former Orioles pitching today, by the way. Next one uh, up, the Reds, they'll host the Rockies in Cincinnati, as it's Wade Miley, the former Oriole, versus Herman Marquez. Uh, the Padres there in New York, as Stroman takes on Musgrove in a great pitching battle. Uh, in an AL battle, the Indians, they'll take on the Mariners. The ace, Corbin Burns, and his Brewers will host the Pirates and Chad Cool. In an AL East battle, the 39-win Red Sox face off against the Blue Jays. The hard-throwing Dylan Cease, they'll take on the Tigers at Comerica Park, obviously the White Sox. Uh, in the NL East, the Braves take on the Marlins as Max Free tries to build on his decent season. At 7 p.m., the Giants come again to the DMV to take on the Nationals in Game 2 of that doubleheader. Uh, classic matchup of the Cardinals and the Cubs as John Gant takes on Kyle Hendricks. The Twins host the Astros as Luis Garcia battles Jose Barrios. And at 10 p.m., the final game of the night, Trevor Bauer takes on the Texas Rangers in an interleague matchup. Is Con it obvious... Yeah. That they're playing the White Sox, if you say Comerica. Do most people know that New Comiskey is now called Comerica Park? I I honestly have no idea. I'm, I, I'm just I forgot. I said Dylan Cease, and I forgot to mention the White Sox. They actually pitches for the White Sox, but hopefully most people understood what I was trying to say there. Yeah, you, you, had a, you had a little trouble. Kind, kind of a rough Saturday, uh, what's on tap Saturday for Zag. Yeah, it's, I, I write these when I'm way too tired, to be honest. And I, I, I don't write things that make any sense. So on Mondays at the station, I do... Um, Overnights, So I work from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. And this was my first week doing that. It took me like two days to recover from that. So really, I still haven't recovered, and i got to do another one in two days um, because I'm still sleeping like 10 hours. What time is this? Like, Is this like a – you said overnight, so it's like an all-night thing. 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. Oh, wow, okay. That's rough. Uh, um, so I'm still recovering because I'm sleeping like 10 hours, right? I slept in way too long yesterday. Got to the gym, got home, wanting to do... Um, yesterday was supposed to be my wedding day, by the way. I saw Laura tweet that, actually. It yeah. was my, my, yeah. my original wedding day, but pushed back to September 3rd. But uh, um, gave Laura a big, fat, wet smooch for our, uh, for our, for our would-be wedding day. But anyway, um, now that I've thoroughly embarrassed T her... TMI on the bat around today. Um, there's Stan. I haven't seen St I haven't Stan. Stan is here. I, I haven't seen Stan. In I think person we should have him right in, in studio. In about 15 months. So I haven't. E I've never met Stan in person. I've really. We've been talking for a year now, and Stan is here. He's he's right there. Awesome. Um, but yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. You were talking about Laura and the wedding. Uh, well, anyway, yesterday yesterday was supposed to be our wedding day, but anyway, yeah. so I slept too long, and I didn't get to do any of my Orioles notes, any of my show notes, until after work, and I didn't, I didn't get I didn't get home from work until midnight. I was up till two thirty doing. And notes. believe me, these t things take a long time to write. They like, do. They, they take a long time. I was up because in the off season you could do notes throughout the week. Sure. Dur during the regular season yep. you can't because it, it slowly builds on itself yeah. throughout, the, throughout the week. You 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 can't do notes before the day before. You you just can't. You know what I mean? So anyway, we've uh we've sufficiently given us very little time. <laughs> um, I did ask Matt if Matt Kremnitzer if he'd be awesome. okay with okay. us pushing back to eleven forty. He said sure. So perfect. Perfect. 
We're going to talk, do Orioles banter right now, the Matt Harvey saga. And there's no other way to describe it. In a May 7th start against Boston, Harvey had thrown three shutout innings, should have gone four scoreless. He dropped the ball at first base on a relay, on a poor feed from first base in Pavaleka. It would have been the second out of the inning, next batter grounded out, which would have ended the inning. Instead, after that ground out, there's only two outs. A single, a walk, and a home run. Later, the Orioles trailed 4 to nothing. Harvey did lower his ERA to 360 because they were, all four runs were unearned. Mm-hmm. He never recovered. Yeah. He, he, he never. He gave up seven runs to the Mets in four and third innings his next start. Six runs in an inning in two-thirds his, in the following start against Hibba Bay. The next start against Washington, six runs, five earned in four and two-thirds. The next start against the White Sox, five runs in three innings. As an opener in his next outing, outing, one run in three innings. But he had to argue with the manager to get back out there for that third yeah, inning. Right. Then, in his most recent start this uh, past Wednesday against the Mets, in the 14-1 loss to, uh, to the Mets, he gives up three, seven runs in three innings. In his last six starts... Matt Harvey has pitched just 19 and two-thirds innings, and he's allowed 32 earned runs for an ERA of 14-19. 14-19. That's bad, if yeah. you didn't know. Yeah. Brandon Hyde stated after that game on Wednesday that Har- Harvey will get the ball for his next start. Look, he's still touching 97 with this fastball. Which is insane. Like yeah. that, that hasn't happened in years. I mean, yeah, this is he, a, a new revelation for him. He's touching 97 with his fastball. His sinker is still sinking. His breaking stuff looks good. He's just missing over the middle of the plate. And I think his confidence is gone. For the most confident guy on the team, his confidence is gone. Yeah, uh, his ERA after that May 7th start was 360. His ERA after Wednesday start is now 741. He's lost six straight decisions. Yeah. How does he get another start? How does he get another start? And he's going to. I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to get multiple more starts, no matter how bad he does, because he's a leadership guy. And and they need that on a young team. And I think Brandon Hyde values that so highly. Um you may disagree with it. I disagree with it. Um, but unfortunately, it's the way it's going to be. You know, Dean Kramer, I can't imagine he would pitch worse. I can't imagine. I, I really can't imagine Dean Zach Kramer Lothar would be worse. Can't, wouldn't pitch worse. No, uh, no. Uh, Kyle Bradish wouldn't pitch no. worse. Now, Kyle Bradish, you're not going to call him up yet. No. But there, there are multiple guys on this team, in, in this organization, that could do better. Yeah, they could, they could do better. I mean, honestly, is are we? Am I really that far off saying Tom Eshelman might be able to do better? I don't know. Uh, Eshelman's a, not a good pitcher either. Let, but let, let I don't the, know. Had a had a sub four ERA last year. And yeah. led the team wins. Yeah. Uh, you never know. Uh, I mean, a guy like you know, I mean, there's a lot of free agents out there that would probably be better. You know, you can sign him for the league minimum. You can sign him for five hundred seventy thousand dollars and bring in a guy to pitch. You can't convince me that you couldn't take Felix Hernandez off the scrap heap right now. Yeah, and that oh, he easily, and, that, and that he wouldn't be better. I'm not sure he would be that much better, but maybe a little he, bit. He wouldn't give up seven runs in three. Yeah, I, I would doubt that. Um, Harvey, I, I think the confidence, like I said, for the, for the most confident guy on this entire team. I think his confidence is gone. I think he comes out there every day and goes, "I'm back to 2018 Matt Harvey, where I give up seven per yeah, you know per outing. I, I I'm a I'm a seven ERA guy, and that's what I always will be. I, I think it's a you know a big fluctuation in confidence for him all the time when he's doing bad and good. Um, and I think that's just the way it's going to be for him, unfortunately. And it's not going to get better. I think it's only downhill from here. Honestly, I think it's only downhill. I don't think we ever see Matt Harvey make another good start for the Orioles again. He's already at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, I mean it, it can only but. It can't go up either. I, mean, I don't it, it, see it, it getting in, better. Unless he's gotten to the bottom of the hill, and now there's a giant 47-foot cliff right at the bottom of that hill that he's going to fall it might down. Be. It might be. And then land in a sinkhole at the bottom <laughs> of that cliff and then go spelunking in a cave. The, like, Look, I mean, it's possible. And he might already be spelunking. 
Well, he hasn't given up like 10 in a start yet, but I don't think it's that far off. Uh, you remember when Jeremy, Jeremy Guthrie gave up 10 runs in the I start? I remember the lots of horrible it. Jeremy Guthrie but, starts. But his last big league start was like three years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long For ago, the Washington sure. Nationals yeah. on his birthday. <laughs> and he gave up 10 runs in the first inning. Yeah, Jeremy Guthrie was kind of a mess. Kind of a mess. And, and kind of a... Not a great human being. A, a, a good human being, but a very arrogant guy from all reports, from, from, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, but we're not, gonna, we're not here to trash Jeremy <laughs> Guthrie. I just... When, when Brendan Hyde said Matt Harvey's going to get the ball for his next start, how... I don't think we were surprised. For I think you tweeted something like that. I tweeted something like that. Like He is going to get another start, unfortunately, because that's the way the Orioles are right now. How can you legitimately say that with a straight face to your fan base? Yeah, it's almost like you're giving up. It's almost like you're giving up. You're saying we're just going to throw in the towel because Matt Harvey's on the mound and he's the guy we want to have. And you know, here's the one thing I'll say about Matt Harvey. I, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to back him up at all. I'm not trying to to, to give any light upon what he's done in these basketball games. But the one thing is he is a pro. The guy knows, you know, what what kind of pitches to make in every situation. Doesn't mean it works for him because he gave up seven runs at the last start. But Matt Harvey, you know. It's it, he is a pro, you know. He he he's pitched in this league for a long time. He knows maybe how to spot a pitch better than a guy like Dean Kramer does. That doesn't make him any better. I mean that that's probably one of the things Brandon Hyde likes about Matt Harvey. You know, besides the leadership, as I mentioned before. I mean, negative one point four WAR. That's like Chris Davis level bad. Ro- Ro- Roy Halladay <laughs> got sent yeah. got sent down. Yeah, at a point when the ZRA was over ten. Like through ten starts, like I, I. By the way, I had a bet uh, with, with Matthew Pine. I think you know Matthew. Yeah. Um, on Matt Harvey having over six ERA, so I think I should win that bet pretty safely now. Uh, watch him come out and get, throw a two hitter over seven innings. He probably will. He probably will. I, I just, Prove us all wrong. Because again, the stuff is there. Yes. It's not like he's going up there throwing 87 miles an hour right down the middle of the plate, which he was doing like three years ago. Yeah. That, that's the difference between now and then, for the, sure. The the stuff is there, it's just he's not locating, he's not able to get guys out anymore, and it, it kind of, kind of, you don't want to say it came out of nowhere because yeah. he was doing this for th- for three or four years before this year, but the way he pitched in April is not the way he's pitching now. No, he's not no. locating, no. and when he's missing. It's People, out over the, the middle of the plate. They're not missing. I mean, I, I tweeted this the other day, but look, belt high fastballs, they don't work. They don't work. And and, and we, and the Orioles pitching staff, the collective of the Orioles pitching staff, throws way too many belt high fastballs. Matt Harvey's been doing that a lot. A way lot. too many belt, belt high fastballs in 0-2 counts. Yeah, way what, too- is, what is this deal with these two out home runs? Not only two out home runs, but the 0-2 home runs. Mm-hmm. What is the deal with that? Don't throw the guy a strike on he, 0-2. He I don't had, care what situation it is. Matt Never. Harvey had two outs... 0-2 count with a runner in scoring position, and he gives up an RBI single, and then I, the wheels come off. I could be wrong, but almost every run they got, the Mets got, in uh, the 14-1 game was with two outs. Almost yeah. every run. Yeah, in, in that third inning when they scored five times, yeah. it was all with two outs. And I believe all of the home runs were with two outs. I want to see every single home run, and obviously not all Matt Harvey's fault because the rest of the bullpen imploded as well. 14-1. Yeah. But look, Matt Harvey, like you said, Brandon Hyde comes out here with a straight face and says, oh, Matt Harvey's still our starter. Come on, man. Come on. We, I mean, do we actually think Brandon Hyde has any confidence in Matt Harvey, or is he just listening to the brass upstairs saying, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to give Matt Harvey another start. Uh, I don't know. 
but I, 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 can't, I can't imagine I, Tom Eshelman's worse. I can't imagine that anybody in this organization would say to Brandon Hyde, "You have to let Matt Harvey start." Start. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's a he's an Oriole legend where you know he he's just going for the you know going for the glory of of, of being there at this point. But yeah. you know, I, I tweeted this the other night. I, I, I you could put really anyone out there you could put anyone out there that would pitch better what about tyler wells give this guy a shot i pitch every sunday put me out there we are signed the orioles have signed paul valley to a a one-year uh 30 million dollar contract because of oh my god his rec his rec league play (laughs) has earned him a contract hey i throw a slider i throw a curveball i throw like at tops an 80 mile an hour fastball you're basically cesar valdez yeah yeah Put me the dead fish is with Paul Valley. Put me out there. I want to see if I can do better. Uh, you might I, honestly I, be able to. You uh, might honestly be able to. Uh, hey, guys for, will be so thrown off by the speed difference. For, for, for one start, I could keep these major league hitters <laughs> off balance. The only guy that would, that would hit me would be your mean Mercedes. Because apparently he can just yeah, hit anybody he, in any he speed. can. One of the problems though with all of this, and and I I mentioned it, I mentioned it really every show now. But Pedro Severino can't catch the baseball. He cannot catch a baseball. These balls are, that are strikes are going off his glove, which is just, I can't even fathom that that's a major league catcher who can't catch a baseball. I just wish, for that reason alone, right now, that the Orioles were a, ke- a good catcher away from being oh a, a good team. Imagine what because, a good catcher would do because, for this team. Because they could call up Adley Rutschman. Yeah. And yeah. maybe Adley Rutschman hits 230. Right. But he's a gold glove defender. But so much better. The, the, the catching. And what, really, honestly, what can they do? What can they do? Yeah, I mean, you, you caught up Austin Wins. He's been a buck eleven. And honestly, the defense has been kind of eh for for Austin Wins. I haven't been crazy impressed. I don't look at Austin Wins and go, "Man, that was such a good frame." His, his he's receiving game, so well. I'm not saying that. His first game, he allowed two pass balls yeah. in, in critical situations. Yeah. You know, it's maybe not the defender we made him out to be. I, I think. Well, I think maybe were, we overvalued him a bit. I think they were wild pitches, but they were balls that he should have blocked. Yeah, I mean, look, it's better than Severino literally not being able to catch the ball, which is like I said, mind blowing. You know. By the way, Keegan, so he can't Keegan, catch the ball. He can't hit the ball. Yeah, he can't do really anything. Pedro Severino is not much value right now. But look, Keegan Aiken started that game yesterday and threw a pretty solid first batter. He threw a lot of really close strikes that Pedro Severino dropped two of them and then hardly framed the other close ones. And he walked. And Aiken ended up walking the guy. Good catcher play would do so much for this team. It would do so much for this team. You know, I, I, I'm I'm on the Elijah Green bandwagon. You know what I mean? So I am too to a point, but look, I I also want these young pitchers to be aided by a, a actual decent catcher. I do, I do, I yeah. I, I agree with you. And th- a guy like this isn't going to fly if oh, if, if you have Bradish and Hall and Rodriguez up here. That, that well, that's, it, it's not going to fly. It, it's honestly unfair to guys like Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish and Bruce Zimmerman, these guys that are kind of on the you know on the on the cusp of being major league pitchers, and they're trying to be once they come up, and they're not succeeding because. Your catcher can't catch the ball. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, that's a problem. Yeah, we, we, we got to get Matt Kremnitzer on the line. We're going to talk more about this. Uh, and while Zach does that, I just want to remind you that every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to the Baltimore sp- to Baltimore sports via PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Orioles prospects Mike Ballman and Drew Rahm, former Ravens coach Brian Billick, Maryland Athletic Director Damon Evans, and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. 
golfshop.com. And also remember again that for Father's Day, give the gift of golf. Tickets of the 2020 to the 2021 BMW Championship in Baltimore are available now at bmwchampionship.com. On the line right now with us here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, we have Press Box's own Matt Kremnitzer. Matt, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? We're doing really, really well. Thank you for asking, my good man. We, uh, we're sitting here and we're talking about Matt Harvey and just how god-awful he's been over the last five or six weeks. Uh, Matt, how does this guy still have a job? Uh, well, I guess the answer to that is that the Orioles are already so bad and they're desperate for pitching, uh, period. Um, I think if some of the guys behind him, maybe at AAA, were, were doing a little bit better, or if the Orioles were maybe not as cautious uh, with the inning workload of guys like Zach Lothar, uh, Kramer, uh, a couple other guys that have kind of you know been going back and forth, that maybe Harvey wouldn't have a job, and he also might not have one that much longer. Um, but, there, I mean, there's no question he hasn't been good enough, especially recently, the last month or so. And if, if he's still bad in the next, I don't know, couple starts, he, he might not be around anymore, or he, he may also be in the bullpen. Now, when and it's not really a when and if, it's basically just a when that happens. Um, who do you expect to take his place? Are we looking at Dean Kramer again, or could we see uh, uh, Kyle Bradish debut? Who are you looking to take that spot? Probably Kramer or Lothar. Um, I mean, those guys, they're, they're obviously watching uh, their innings this year. The same thing with Aiken, maybe a little bit less so with uh, Bruce Zimmerman. Um, but I, I could see either one of those guys getting starts. Bradish, uh, not sure if they're going to be pushing him to the Orioles this year, maybe in September or, or sometime later this year if he keeps dominating. So he, he could be an option, maybe next year more likely. Um, but any, any of the young guys who, who could fit in and they, they don't feel like they're overworking them or giving them too many innings, it, it seems pretty clear that that's uh, you know, one of their prerogatives this year. Well, the Orioles certainly because of, uh, of, of the bad pitching, Matt Harvey's had something to do with it. Uh, they went 5-23. and 23 in May. Now they're five and three in June to this point, despite some of the poor pitching performances. How do you explain, for lack of a better term, the resurgence of the Orioles after the resurgence of the Orioles this month after such a, a terrible month of May? Uh, most likely small sample size. I don't think any of us think that the Orioles are, are good now. It's nice to see them play a little bit better for, for the last week or so, uh, especially against Cleveland. They were, they were really hitting the ball well, you got to see Mullins and Mancini do their thing. Um, do I think they're going to do this, that, that same thing the rest of the month? No, probably not, but it, it is nice to see some of their younger guys play well. Uh, and certainly, and speaking of the younger guys, uh, there's a lot of young guys at the minor league level who are really, really having nice seasons for themselves. And that's why the Orioles' um, farm system is ranked in the top five right now in all of baseball. One of those guys is Domingo Leyva. He's absolutely crushing the minors. He's batting 442 and 52 at bats, seven home runs, no PS approaching 1,400. Uh, The Orioles, they still are lacking at second base and at third base, but but Michael Franco's not really going anywhere anytime soon. Do you expect Domingo Leyva to get a shot here to play some second base for the Orioles in the near future if Valeka and Wilkerson don't kind of start doing a better job. Yeah, I don't. I don't see why not. Um, and, and the limited work that he's had at the major league level, Leba hasn't really been very good. Um, but then again, like like you just mentioned, I mean, the Orioles are trotting out uh, Stevie Wilkerson mm-hmm. and Pat Valeka right now, and neither one of them are hitting. Neither are you know great great gloves in the field either. Um, 
so I, you know, I could definitely see him getting a chance in, in the next month or two. You know, why not? What, what does it matter? Um, it's not like it, it would really affect anything. The Orioles aren't very good. They're, they're not getting even close to the amount of production they need from second base. And he wouldn't be blocking anyone else, really. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like Jemai Jones is ready quite yet. Um, at, at AAA, he's also been battling some injuries. So, uh, you know, it's a good question. You know, why, why not give him a chance if, if things still aren't better in the next few weeks? Now, another guy who is, uh, who's been battling injuries basically since he got here is Yusniel Diaz. He hasn't played since May 9th with a hamstring strain. He missed a big chunk of 2019 with hamstring and quad issues. Matt, have we reached the point where the Manny Machado trade has become basically a dud because of Diaz's inability to stay healthy and not reaching the majors and Dean Kramer's struggles? It's a good question. Um, you, you could maybe say that because of the return so far. Um, I, I wouldn't completely turn the page on, on Diaz just yet, but it's hard not to be frustrated by the, the constant injuries. I mean, it's been an issue with him every single season. It's kind of like Austin Hayes and Hunter Harvey where we're saying, okay, well, if, if he can just stay healthy, then maybe we'll be impressed by the talent and he'll be able to put things together. But you, you know, at the end of the day, you have to be able to stay on the field. And it, it's easy for me to say that. Obviously, he doesn't want to be hurt. But if someone isn't able to stay healthy every year, then it's going to be frustrating. And the, the same thing with, with Kramer. I mean, Kramer's been able to stay healthy, but he just hasn't had the results so far. Um, you don't want to give up on these guys. But there's still time. Um, but, yeah, it, it has been a disappointing return. But, you know, what we knew at the time, these, these guys weren't bad prospects or anything. They just haven't produced. And it, it has been frustrating. Uh, no, no, you know, no, no question there. Well, and certainly another guy uh, is Heston Kerstad, and the Orioles took him over slot to save some money so they could sign guys like Carter Ballmer and uh, and Colby Mayo, um, who otherwise would have committed to college. But they go over slot with Heston Kerstad. He comes down with myocarditis, not his fault. Um, but he's he hasn't stepped foot on the field. hasn't st- stepped foot on the field. And you're looking at a guy, it's going to be two years, basically, before he starts to play professional baseball when it's all said and done. At, at, at this point, the Orioles, they've spent zero time developing this player. You're not trying to minimize the health issues, but this is, from a business standpoint, what does this say? What, what are the Orioles looking at here? Uh, are they in trouble when it comes to Heston Kerstad? I wouldn't say they're in trouble. Um, it it's been frustrating with the, with the injury to, uh, with him dealing with myocarditis. It's frustrating that Baumler uh, had Tommy John surgery and won't be able to pitch until next year. Um, but at the same time, you know, for the six players they drafted, uh, Westberg, uh, Jordan Westberg looks really good at uh, Delmarva and he's already moved up to Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to be mad at a pick like that. Uh, Hudson Haskin is, is looking really solid with Delmarva. Um, so those couple picks have been good. And we're still really early. I mean, concerning what happened last season, you know, who, who knew what was going to happen with Kerstad? It, it's hard to blame them too much for that. If he had been able to get on the field by now and wasn't stuck at uh, extended spring training while he's recovering, you know, maybe he'd be, you know, hitting the cover off the ball. And we'd be talking about, hey, you know, it's a really nice pick. You know, stuff happens. Um, 2020, you know, you, you can't be too mad about that. It's still a little bit early in his progress to be too disappointed. It's frustrating not to you know be able to see some early returns now that they can finally play games, but I do think it's a little early to, to say you know anything's a failure. You can maybe be a little worried about it, but I think until he actually gets out on the field and we can see what he can do when he's fully healthy, maybe we can kind of start to judge a little bit more then. 
Matt, I know you're a fan of, of talking draft, and obviously you're just talking about the draft from 2020, but what are the top guys for you right now that are a realistic chance for the Orioles to have at five? Is it Khalil Watson? Is it maybe Jordan Lawler? Is, is Kumar Rocker in that conversation? Uh, there's been talk now recently of Kumar Rocker, Rocker uh, dropping you know, even to 10 or 11, somewhere around that area, but who is the most realistic pick for the Orioles right now? I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. Um, every mock draft I see sees them maybe getting a shortstop. There's maybe discussion of them doing an underslot deal like they did last year again, or maybe like you just mentioned with Leiter and, and Rocker, maybe one of those guys dropping and, and the Orioles were able to scoop them up. I, I have no clue what they're going to do. It doesn't seem like anybody else does either. Um, considering what they've tried to do recently, I mean, may, maybe they do another, uh, another underslot deal. I, I wouldn't be shocked at that. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they went best player available, whether that is, you know, one of the two pitchers from Vanderbilt or if they went with a shortstop. Um, I don't think there's any way to say what, what, you know, what's the best thing for them to do. It's just going to depend on who's available when they pick, um, whether it's one of the young shortstops, whether it's one of the pitchers. I mean, they, they, they really seem like there's going to be a, a good player there. And, you know, are they going to want to do the thing where they spread money around again? Um, it's going to be interesting to see which, which guys they actually go with. Well, three of their last four first-round draft picks, and we're talking about D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, and Adley Rutschman, are shooting up prospect lists. Adley Rutschman, number two overall prospect in all of baseball, obviously the top-catching prospect. Grayson Rodriguez, number 11, the top-pitching prospect. And then D.L. Hall coming in at number 44 in the, least, in, in the most recent rankings. These guys are all at double-A right now, and they're all pretty much dominating uh, at that level. Do you see a scenario in which those three get promoted to triple-A at some point this year? I think that they're all kind of on the same the same track to kind of move up levels together. Or do you see them staying down at Bowie and maybe trying to win a double-A championship this year? I think there's no question that Rushman is ready for triple-A. He's probably ready to be on the Orioles. Um I think, it, you know, just speaking about what I would do, uh, I think, you know, around midseason he could be promoted to Norfolk. Uh, it doesn't seem likely that he's going to be promoted this summer to the Orioles, maybe a September call-up or something, but most likely next year. I would be shocked if Grayson Rodriguez, uh, maybe even D.O. Hall, went up to Norfolk at, at midseason too. It, it would be kind of cool if those three guys could stay together maybe the next level. I don't know if where they are in their development it's necessarily going to happen that way. Um, it maybe just kind of sounds fun, but it isn't really realistic. Um, but there, there's no question that all three of those guys look fantastic right now. And I really hope that they're all in Baltimore next season, uh, next season, because they're the, the three most exciting prospects the Orioles have, and they have more than they've had in a long time. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned that you hope to see them in Baltimore next season. How realistic is it to see all three of those guys, and maybe even Kyle Bradish, uh, who scouts have said deserves to be in the same conversation as Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, what are the chances we see all four of those guys on the Orioles roster around this time next year? Maybe not around this time. I, I would say maybe before the end of the year. Uh, I think Rodriguez and Hall are kind of the question marks at how aggressive they are with them. Um, they were, you know, you know, Rodriguez was dominating. They brought him up pretty quickly. So maybe they're fine being aggressive with him uh, because he's been dominating. Uh, Hall, um, maybe before the end of the season, he's up to Norfolk. Maybe he starts uh, the year in AAA next year. Um, but all, th- all four of those guys on the Orioles at some point next year, I do think it's possible, and I do think it should happen if those guys are ready. Now, and with, with that in mind, I don't think that you have a team 
that has the likes of Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Adley Rutschman, and Kyle Bradish. I don't think you have a team that has those guys on their roster without building around them to be competitive. Uh, that's not to say that I expect the Orioles to be players in free agency uh, this this coming off season. But what do you think it says about the rebuild and where the Orioles stand if those four guys are on the roster next year? That's a good question too. Um, I, I'm really hoping that the Orioles are players in free agent this free agency this year. Maybe they don't sign one of the top, I don't know, five or ten guys or something. Maybe they don't think they're there with the development yet. But one of the things is you don't you don't ever really know for sure when you're going to to be that team, right? Um, Mike Elias has said that they'll flip the switch when when they they, they think they're ready, um, but that doesn't always happen exactly when you think it's going to happen. If all four of those guys are up next year. Maybe the Orioles are better than we think they're going to be next year. Maybe you add a starting pitcher or two this offseason. Maybe you add a shortstop. I mean, there's a number of shortstops on the free agent market next year. You know, the Orioles have money to spend, uh, you'd think. Why, why couldn't they be in that market? Add a couple of talented players to that team, and then you also have the youngsters coming up too, and you can kind of actually build build something that you, you can envision that's close to a 500 team. Um, I, I don't think that's a bad idea. And uh, it just improves the overall talent of the team, and you, you can still grow that overall, you know, the, 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 that pipeline of talent while you're doing this. Um, so I, I think it would be fascinating if they sign, you know, a, a decent free agent or two, and then you start talking about add, adding those guys to, to Rushman, to Rodriguez, to Hall, because, I mean, those guys aren't going to be able to do it by themselves. The Orioles are going to need a lot to compete in the AL East, uh, you know, with the Red Sox, with the Yankees, with the Rays. The Blue Jays. These teams are serious. They they have good farm systems. They they spend money. This is something the Orioles are going to have to do too. And you know maybe you can't wait two or three years to spend money. You should do it now. Matt, your buddy uh, John Shepard talked about yesterday on Twitter that, that Javier Baez could be an option that he sees that's realistic for the Orioles because he's not the Trevor Story or the Corey Seager or Carlos Correa who's going to get you know maybe plus of, of, of $200 million. You maybe look at more of like an $80 million, $100 million deal for Javier Baez. Do you see that as realistic? Uh, do you see as that you know somewhere that, that is, is that something that's coming from a legitimate source? What is the, the, the talk about Javier Baez? It's just John talking, most likely. Gotcha. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's coming from a source. Um, but do I think it's a good idea? Yeah, yeah. I would. I would. I would say something like maybe Marcus Simeon or, or something like that would, would be a good fit. Um, maybe someone who's more of a long-term option instead of just a an Iglesias or Galvis yeah. every year, yeah. kind of like a Band-Aid. But uh, you know, a, a good a good cheap signing. Um, the Orioles are kind of hopefully progressing to the the next point where they can add someone who's around for a few years and is a good player. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to be in the market for someone like, you know, like you mentioned with Story, the really expensive guys, Seager, Correa. I, I just, I, I don't know if the Orioles will, will do that, you know, ne- next season or, or, or the season after that, or maybe if they'll ever really be doing that. I hope they do, and they're going to need that kind of talent, but maybe they just don't want to build a team like that. Maybe they want to keep it low payroll for a while until they actually do have a good team and, and you know, maybe, maybe sign some guys then, but. I do think it would be a good idea to start improving the overall talent of the team while some of these young guys are getting promoted. Yeah, it certainly would be nice to have a, a, a long-term, not not long, long-term, because you have a couple of guys in the minor leagues that you think could really be something in Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson, but it would be nice to have a more legitimate um, roster move 
at shortstop rather than the one-year stopgap of Jose Iglesias and the one-year stopgap of Freddie Galvis. Just get somebody there who's going to be there for two or three years that you can count on and you don't have to worry about shortstop. It would be nice to not go into the offseason needing somebody at a premium position. Um, Matt, that's pretty much going to do it for our interview portion of, uh, of today's segment. However... I don't know if you've played this game with us before. I think you did last maybe season. Maybe once, maybe once. Um, but we, I think once, yeah. We do take to rake. Uh, Ryan Blake was our guest host last week uh, while I was out of town. He took Freddie Galvis. Zach took Ryan Mountcastle. I took Trey Mancini. Freddie Galvis went 7 for 21 with a double in an RBI slash 333, 333, 381. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, uh, 7 for 21, two doubles, a home run, five RBI slash 333. 333, 571. And then Trey Mancini, 5 for 21, a home run, two walks, three RBIs, slash 238, 333, uh, 429. I didn't realize all three guys had the same crazy last week. Um, So Zach took Ryan Mountcastle. He won. Uh, Ryan Blake, uh, because he was the guest last week, he came in second with Freddie Galvis. So Matt, you'll pick second. I'm going to pick third. The only stipulation here, Matt, is that you can't take the same player that the guest took last week. So you can't take okay. Freddie Galvis. Everybody else is fair game, except, of course, whoever Zach picks. Okay, This, this is tough. I don't know. I mean, I could go right back to Cedric Mullins, but I'm not going to do that this week. I always go back and forth with Cedric Mullins, Matt, every single week. Um, yeah. I've picked him, I think, every other week so far. Yeah. Um, not going to pick him today. I think I'm going to go with Santander. I have confidence that Santander, I, I, I like that double he hit last night. Not, not too many other guys hit the ball last night. So I'll go with Santander. All right, you're hey, you're up, Matt. Did anybody hit? Did anybody pick Hayes? No, no one has picked Hayes. Okay, I'll go with Hayes. Uh, Mullen seems like the easy pick, and maybe I should just do that because it's a slam dunk, and he's been on fire. But I'll go with someone different. I mean, Hayes just came back, didn't look super great last night, made made a good play in the field, but uh, I'll go with Hayes. This is the first time Paul is going to get Mullins. I think the first time. I, oh man, here's the <laughs> thing, man. I had an opportunity to, tra- to take Trey Mancini last week. Yeah, I took him. And I, I finished I finished dead last, yep. right? Um, well, and, and Trey honestly didn't have that bad of a week, really. Three thirty three on base, not not all. Yeah, he not just awful. you know he hit two thirty yeah. last week. Um, probably his worst week in six weeks. Yeah. Um, but the, anytime I take Freddie Galvis, he doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> Mount Castle never does anything for me except for week one. I know. Week. I knew who, who the pick's about to be actually. I know who the pick's about to be. I, I just feel like with the great pitching that they're facing against Tampa Bay and then against Cleveland. I don't know that I can take – it's such a hard thing because who are you really going to take? The winner might bat 250 this week, sure, right? Sure, sure. Um, Tough week. Screw it. I've never taken him. I'm taking Cedric Mullins. Okay. There I, it is. I, who did you think I was going to take? I thought you were going to take DJ Stewart again. You, you've picked DJ uh, He's not going to play else. maybe? I won well, with, with him ha- last with, week, with Hayes two weeks ba- ago. With Hayes back, it's With tougher. Hayes back, yeah. Stewart's, Stewart's only going to play sparingly and get some pinch hitting yeah. duties. He'd get the least of bats out of everybody. So I've never taken Mullins – I feel like his hot streak is yeah. over, but anytime you feel like his hot streak's over this year, he starts. He just busts one. out again. Yeah. yeah. So and speed doesn't slump. So nope. I'm going Cedric Mullins. Matt, thank you for indulging us. We really appreciate you, appreciate you coming on the program. Is there anything, uh, any articles, anything you want to plug before we let you go? No, I, I think I have a couple things in the works, uh, but nothing quite yet. Um, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's, oh, it's, a, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You're a real nice guy, so we like uh, having you on the program. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. All right, thanks, guys. All right, see you. That was Matt Kremnitzer, Press Boxes 
own uh, joining the program today. I uh, just want to remind you that coming June 27th, the inaugural Tucker Fest at Jerry's Toyota uh, is going to be happening where you can meet Justin Tucker plus live music from Joey Harcum and Dave Teeth during the day. A cornhole tournament, dunk tank, food trucks, and more. The event itself is free and benefits the Brigands Brigade. But you need tickets for the meet and greet with Justin Tucker and you can get those right now by going to great 8 memorabilia.com. That's the number eight with an S after it, great eights memorabilia.com. We'll see you at Jerry's Toyota June 27th for Tucker Fest benefiting the Brigance Brigade. These are the last days to get the most recent issue of Press Box. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles or top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt has taken with Means and the entire organization. Coming this week, the new issue of Press Box featuring Maryland quarterback. Tulia Tagalavoa. Hopefully, I said that right. On the Tunga cover. Tunga Vailoa. Tagalavoa. Tunga. Tunga Lavoa. That's T- really. Say, say, say it with Tagalavoa me. is always uh, the way I've said it. Always. Tunga. Tunga Lavoa. No. Tunga. Say, say, say it with me. We're, Tunga. Tunga. Vi. Vi. Loa. Loa. Tunga Vi Loa. Sounds right. Press box is available <laughs> for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farb stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. On this live read here, it's spelled out. Like, it's Talia Tunga Vi Loa. Definitely an interesting name to say, but I probably I probably should have read this over like eight times before I saw it. And... Glenn never spells out the difficult names for me. When I, when I do his live reads, when I when I when I, when I he, I'm sure he doesn't realize that I'm the one doing the Glenn yeah. Clark radio read yeah. and that you're doing it. But he never spells out the names. And I saw that I was like, man, he, <laughs> he the one name he spelled out is the name that I know how to say. I just I mean, whenever I'm talking about you know Tagalivoa or however you say it, Tunga I just Tagalivoa. He spelled it out phonetically for uh, you, and you still it's, got it's, it wrong. It's a tough one. I just say you know when I'm talking about the Dolphins quarterback, I just say Tua, or when I I say Tolia, it's just not a name I ever want to say. It's just too, <laughs> so long. I'm sorry. All right, Zach. Zach, we're gonna butcher- get a, we're gonna get a break before Z- this gets any worse. Zach butchering live reads in Chesapeake <laughs> Employers Insurance Studio. We're gonna get a, our final break and come back and close things out here on the Battle Round. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. They're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigance Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkum and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the 
Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bella Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the batter on that wonderful Glenn Clark intro music. I love it. We mention it almost every week. Got to turn it up real loud. Just, just so we can hear it a little bit. Yeah, it's perfect. Just, you just gotta, it's perfect. Got to. I, you know, I'm not even gonna try and try and speak the kids' it's, lingo on the it, dance moves it's, and it's, sitch. It's a whole vibe. It's 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 a whole vibe. <laughs> I kind of sounded like Kyle Ottenheimer right there when I said that. You, it's kind of weird. Not, not even close. I not, don't know. Not, <laughs> not even close. We would have to that, get really that, really low voice for that, that. That dude's voice is so deep. It, it, it's an it, incredible radio it, voice. It's got to be the best radio voice maybe I've ever heard. I don't it, know. It's he, up there. He he should be doing he should be doing a lot. With that voice, yes. No, but but hey, look, Kyle's one of the hardest working guys I know. He he he, he, he does a lot. So, um, very busy guy. Anyway, 
Uh, look, the Orioles, they, they're facing off against the Rays in a matter of hours now. It's uh, They play at 4.10 Four today, yep. so about four hours from now they're going to be facing off. It's going to be Jorge Lopez against Rich Hill. You know, I do not lack confidence anymore in Jorge Lopez. He's proven to me over his last <laughs> handful of starts that he, he, he can keep you in ball games. It's wild to me that we've gotten to a point where I'm actually looking forward to watching Jorge Lopez pitch. I don't know. I, I, I'm legitimately looking forward to watching Jorge Lopez well, pitch. And la- last week, he got back into that, that form where he would give up. He gives up runs in the fifth inning. But he's gotten into the sixth inning, two of his last three outings. Pitched six innings, two of his last three outings. One game, three runs. The other game, one run. So quality starts. Close to a quality start last week. He only went five. Um, his ERA is 568. But it's misleading. I would say that's very misleading. I, I would I would expect his peripherals to be pretty good. I can look them up real quick. But yeah, which is crazy because they weren't good last year. Right. His peripherals weren't good last year. But this is a guy. He keeps the Orioles in ball games. He gets, I think, the fourth lowest run support in all of Major League Baseball. Although he was the starter in that game that they won eighteen to five against the Indians last Sunday. Um, so never mind about the peripherals they're all bad they're all um, bad he's in the blue and about everything which is really blue is bad um so yeah he's actually you know expected era 19 uh 19th percentile obviously horrible max exit velocity so he's giving up a lot of hard hit balls he's in the second percentile that's awful so that must mean um, he throws hard and doesn't have a lot of movement yeah maybe i feel like he does have a lot of movement i guess the the last couple games have, have you know made us think and forget about the first multiple games he had. I don't know. But he feels like he's been better. He, fe- I, I, I think there's some semblance of confidence that we both have in him that we never have had before. I, I expect him to go out and give you five, maybe six innings of three-run ball. And three run might even be a bit much. Like he's been doing, he's been doing that with two and one, which, yeah. is, which is amazing. That's what so, they want. Uh, he, had, he had one start. I can only really remember one start, and I believe it was against the Yankees, where he got lit up. Maybe two, maybe two starts this year. That but Yankee start was the lone bad start in a string of very good ones. Yeah, I, I for for me, and, and that was at the beginning of the year. I think he gave up seven, was, yeah. seven runs. Yeah. He he had he left having only given up I think one run. He just didn't have it. And, and the bases, but the bases were loaded in the fourth inning. Sean Armstrong came in, walked the dude to walk in a run, and then gave up a grand uh, like like a five hundred foot grand slam to John Carlos Stanton. We didn't even get to talk about Sean Armstrong today. I think that's how much news there was. I guess yeah. Because Sean so Armstrong Sean, he cleared DFA, waivers. He cleared waivers now at Norfolk. So how does he, that work? Works? How, how does that work? How does it work <laughs> where Sean Armstrong? He's in the minors. Mm-hmm. He's at Norfolk. If the Orioles call him up again, can they send him down again without having to pass him through waivers, or how does that work? Well, you know, options are, are in years. So if he has, you know, obviously options are, he gets about three option years. Um, it, it would have to be next year, I think, before he would have another option. I don't believe he's, well, he, he's out of options. That's why they had to DFA. He, so he's him. no more option. He years. has no options. They, they had to DFA, they okay. had to DFA yeah. him to get him off the roster because he had no options. Yeah, I'm just saying so, but, options come in years. So obviously, I, I didn't know if he had the options left or not. But if he doesn't, then then no. He so he's, so so he. He clears waivers, gets assigned to AAA. Yes. If the Orioles call him up, if he's really good at Norfolk and the mm-hmm. Orioles call him up in three weeks, yeah. they can't send him down no, again? No, he would have to be DFA'd again. He would have to be DFA'd again. Okay. 
Yeah, so since he's out of options, he would have to be DFA. Also, the other part is is now you're gonna have to clear another forty man spot because now being DFA, he's off the forty man again. So you know you have to clear another spot on the forty man to get him back on it, which I don't see them doing. They, they, you know, it would be better. They'd be better served calling up a guy like Isaac Matson, who's already on the forty man, than a guy like Armstrong. Um, that's the benefit of having a, a, you know that depth is that he's not on your forty man, not hurting you there. But if you want to bring him back up, you'd have to put him back on it. I don't think we've seen the last of Sean Armstrong in Baltimore this year. I really don't. I would agree. I mean, there could be injuries. There could be a multitude of things that would lead, you know, trades maybe. If Paul Fry's traded, something like that, Sean Armstrong could be right back up here. I wouldn't be even shocked at all. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle. Mm-hmm. He, he had himself a week. He won you take the rake. He did. Um, this is a guy, he had an eight-game hitting streak and eight game RBI streak, which is, I believe, an Orioles rookie record. Might be something around there. Um, um, the the single season RBI, consecutive games with an RBI record, 1976, Reggie Jackson had, okay. had 10 games in a row. I think it was, was it Ken? No, it was Doug DeSensis okay. had an RBI in 11 straight games, but it was over two seasons. It was from September, it. the end of September one year into the beginning of April the next year. Um, the whole point of this is Ryan Mountcastle had himself a really nice week. He did. A- and quietly had a really ni- has had a really nice month's worth of baseball, hitting over 300 yeah. going into the, the game the other day over the last month. Is Ryan Mountcastle back where you expect him to be, or is there still a little room to grow there? Real quick, I want to remind you to make the most out of every day on a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or guest-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Back to your question. You're basically asking me, is Ryan Malcastle back? Is Ryan Malcastle to what you expected him to be at the beginning of the year? I would say no. I don't think he's quite there yet. I mean, the on-base numbers are just so low still. You know, I, I look at that, I think he is around 280, maybe a little bit lower than that on base right now, which is not good. I mean, that's obviously... But we never... Look, he's no, never going to be that guy. Nobody ever expected Ryan Mountcastle to be a 350 on base guy because he, he never walks. He's not a patient guy, and he never will be. And I don't think anyone ever expects him to be. But is he hitting the ball the way I think he should be and, and I expect him to? Yeah, I would say he is at this point. Um, I would just like to see the walks come up a little bit. And then I'd, I'd still like to see a little more patience at the plate. I yeah, just, I, his I see chase a lot of, still a little. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, he's just swinging in a lot of balls still. And I can look that up real quick exactly what his whiff rate is, but it's pre- I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty high. Yeah, he... um. That, sl- that that low and away slider is, is kills him. It's the Achilles killer. heel. Same with same with Austin Hayes. They both struggle with that same pitch. Both aggressive hit uh, you know hitters. And Adam Jones used to do the same thing. All, you know all, all aggressive hitters will, will, will really get bitten by that ball. Yeah, and, and honestly, he and Austin Hayes are both in about two forty eight. Right yeah, I now. think it's the same, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're both better than that. I th- I think they're both especially Ryan Malcastle. I mean, yeah. uh, so much of Austin Hayes' value comes from his defense. We saw it last night with that incredible seed. He throws so many perfect balls to second base. It's unbelievable how to good any the base. arm is. Yeah, to any base really, even home. Um, that that was really impressive last night again. Yeah, it's, that's where his value comes from. Yeah, I just um, yesterday was only the fourth game all year where Cedric Mullins, Trey Mancini. Anthony Santander, yep. Ryan Mountcastle, and Austin Hayes were all in the same line. I want to say it was the fifth. I could be wrong. It that. was the fourth. Four. Okay. It was it was the fourth game, and uh, that it was the first one that they lost. Gotcha. With those, Got, and okay. Again, you you face a good pitching team like like the Tampa Bay Rays. That, that's going to happen. Yeah, and it was only a four two. They did not play an awful game. They just didn't really hit the ball. Yeah. Again, not not a loss. I look at them like, oh man, I can't believe it. 
I so, can believe they lost. Right. Um, on Ryan Mountcastle, the, the worst possible percentile you can get is obviously zero. Um, that's what Pedro Severino is in pitch framing as far as, <laughs> uh, as, far as peripherals go. But Ryan Mountcastle is in the one percentile of chase rate. So, yes, he is chasing a lot of pitches. Um, and as far as whiff rate goes, he's in the ninth percentile. So, not good. Definitely not, still, yeah. definitely there, not still where he needs to be. Ton of a, there's a ton of room for improvement with my, with Ryan Mountcastle. I so, when I ask you that question, I don't believe he's a finished product by any. No, stretch. no, sure. I, but I, is he is he now to the point where you can trust him to hit in the yeah, middle of your yeah, order? Yeah, I think I think to a point, yes. I I don't I don't know if he should be the four hitter. I think Brandon Hyde makes a mistake when he puts him there. I just he don't makes think, a lot of mistakes with the he, four. Hitter. He he really Freddie Galvis, yeah, um, uh, Pedro Severino. Yeah, that's I, the worst one. That's uh, the worst. I one. I want to I want to <laughs> jump off a roof when I see Pedro Severino batting cleanup. He's I mean, done it, nothing to, deser- to no, deserve that this no. year. I think he has what like nine RBIs, maybe not even that. He and and two home runs. And the thing about right. Pedro Severino. He'll have two singles in a game, and he'll be batting fourth the next day. Yeah, because... It, two it, singles, it, and he's bat fourth, bats he, fourth the next day. He is one of the more... I I don't try to to dislike Orioles, and I don't try to get annoyed with Orioles, because they are Orioles, and they're playing for, for our hometown team. But right now, Pedro Severino is at the top of that list for me, of guys that I just am so done with on this baseball team. You know, you, you go through a rebuild, and you get tired of it eventually. Um, I'm not saying I don't trust the process anymore, but there are guys like Pedro Severino on this team that are just so bad that I desperately want to see someone else so bad that I'm, I'm, I'm just that much done with them. Um, well, and let's... And- Let's look at this rebuild then. With, with with that thought process in mind, if you're at a point now where you're you're so done with this rebuild, you're so done with Pedro Severino. I, yeah, I'm 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 done with it. But how, I know how, how many fans are there? Many. I will tell you a lot. I mean, you look at the attendance every night; you can just tell. Yeah, I mean, they went to full capacity, and they're still not even drawing what the limited capacity. Which, like was. Stan said the other night, was a mistake. Yeah. Why, why would Why would they do that? Why would they? It's just basically showing everyone that no one wants to come to Orioles games right now, right. which is just so unfortunate. But they're they're getting nine thousand, ten thousand a night at best. Mm-hmm. That's you know awful numbers. They, they sell out on the promotional nights. Maybe they should do more of those. Like get, you know, let's have like five Hawaiian shirt nights because everyone loves the Hawaiian shirt nights. But um, I have no idea why. I don't know why either. I have but no idea. People why. love the They're promotional so items. Ugly. People love the promotional. I, I items. get the floppy hat. I get the the, yeah. the mock jersey. I get the jerseys. I yeah. get you know well, the beach give, towel. Give the, away the, the, the Hawaiian the Orioles Hawaiian shirt. They're giving away like it was last year or this year. They were giving away basically like. Uh, I don't know, like fake Brooks Robinson jerseys. They weren't like the real like $100 jerseys you right. can buy on MLB.com, but they were like $30, you know, Brooks Robinson ones. Do it with Adley Rutschman. Get it, get an Adley Rutschman jersey and give it out. Grayson Rodriguez, just do that. That will that will that will sell you tickets. 100%. Like you will have people you will have 20,000, 30,000 showing up to the ballpark for that. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Um, cuz I heard this on the way in and I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it, but why not? Because uh, we're talking about the fans and the fan experience at the stadium and how to get more fans in. And uh, this guy made a made a point. Because you have all these players complaining in the NBA about being spit on and having popcorn Which is ridiculous and, 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 that people are doing that. And he said that a lot of fans texted into his show mm-hmm. and called into his show and made the point that they weren't allowed. we weren't allowed to go to sporting events for 14 months. Right. Right? And now that we are, fans feel underappreciated. They feel like they're back, and the players are just, want nothing to do with them. Yeah. You, now, yeah. look, none, I, of, none of that excuses acting like a child. Right. Right? Because children, when they don't get what they want, they throw popcorn at each other, and they, 
they throw their drink on the ground and they break a plate. There is no place in the world that you would do that to another human being unless you were in a face-to-face altercation back mm-hmm. and forth. There's no place in the world other than a sporting venue where you would dump popcorn on somebody. Right, right? exactly. So, so it doesn't excuse it. But do you think that there is something to be said for the fact that fans feel alienated by these professional athletes they go out to support? Because without fans, and we've seen it so far with, with these baseball teams hemorrhaging money, Yeah. without fans... These players aren't getting forty million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you in some way. Uh, I don't know what the what the best way to do it would be. Maybe like some some free meet and greets. Maybe some community activations where you have players going out and, and signing autographs at at Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever. Maybe you could do that um, to get people more involved. But, but you but, mean but, at the at the at the but, actual but, stadium? No, but, but to that point, you really t- you can you really sit there and tell me? That Russell Westbrook would go do a free signing. No, the Kevin no Durant, way. the Kyrie no, Irving, of course, would go not. do a free signing. But you know, Ryan Mountcastle could. Well, Ryan Mountcastle <laughs> would. But and, and here's the other thing. I think that baseball has less of a problem with this. Now we saw in 2016 them throwing a beer can at Hunsu Kim. Yes, right? that was. Well, we we we've heard about the racial slurs yep. thrown at Adam Jones Fenway. by, by at, at Fenway Park. So we're not. Clearing the name of baseball fans, and we see right. you see baseball. I mean, there's that one guy whose life is completely ruined because two fa- two he was at a he was at a Dodgers game wearing a Giants jersey, and two Dodgers fans beat the ever yeah. li- living yeah. crap out of him to the point where he has brain damage for the rest of his life. Yeah, right. That's horrendous. Yeah. There is no word to describe how bad that is. But I think you see more fans throwing stuff on the field and trying to you know, give a lot of crap to players in the NBA than anything else. Right. I think the NBA is where the big issue is. Well, that seems to be the, yeah, it seems to be the issue right now. I don't, you don't really see it happening in, in Major League Baseball. Um, or the NFL. Well, we haven't matter. really had too much of a test of the NFL because fans have only been very limited but, in capacity. But even before, this was happening even before. True, yes, yeah. Now, maybe in the NFL, though, you can't get close enough. You know, if, if you're in the NBA, you're sitting courtside. If you're in the NFL, the easiest way would be, you know, maybe if they, they do the Lambo leap and you get to pat the guy on the back at, you know, Lambo Stadium. That's true, and they're wearing you, helmets and pads. Yeah, you, you don't really get close close enough to the players. I know Marcus Peters in, in the Rams game on Monday Night Football a few years ago, he, you know, he, he stole a beer from this guy and started drinking it on live TV. Like, that's a very, very specific thing. Like, that yeah. rarely happens where players get that close to fans in the NFL. It just doesn't seem to happen as much. So you think that, it, that, that we would see more of these altercations like we see in the NBA in baseball and I, in football, yeah. if they were cl- and in baseball, there's netting all around the field. I now. think baseball fans are also different than NBA and football fans, and we're, and we're obviously both NFL and MLB fans. But I think there are some diehard NFL fans, and especially uh, you know basketball fans that are just really, really crazier than than some of the fans in Major League Baseball. It's, Major League Baseball appeals to more of a family audience, and I think you know the NBA does in NFL as well. So That's I think that point. that could play a part in as well. Uh, and honestly, in I don't know why, for whatever reason, there, and, and I'm just going to go out and say this, of all these sports, I think the NBA is the easiest sport to play. I I, I think it's easier I do than not, the, I do not watch the NBA. I know a lot about the NBA. I don't really I, watch I, it. I think, when I say the NBA, I think basketball is the easiest sport to play uh, of the four major sports. I, I would agree with you. It's, it's, anybody who says baseball is so wrong, so it's a, unbelievably baseball, wrong. Baseball and hockey are the hardest. Yes, the, I would the agree. NFL. You need to have elite athletic ability, to and play you have in the to NFL. be 
tough, and, ridiculously and, tough. And you have to have elite athletic ability to yep. play in the NBA. Yep. But I can go outside right now and hit a three-pointer. Yeah, sure. I, I, sure. I can go outside right now and make a layup. I can hit a free throw. Sure. Right? Right. I can't go outside right now and hit a 95-mile-an-hour Have you seen ball. the video of Giannis, uh, Giannis taking yes, batting practice? Disgusting. I want to say, what, the Yankees maybe? Maybe, it, it, maybe it, the Brewers, it, I don't know. It looks like they put... A bat in a spider's <laughs> hands and said, yeah. "Hit this!" It, yeah, it, I mean, limbs it's, all over the it's place. Awful. It, it was, it was, it was terrible. Anybody who says hitting is, is easier than shooting a basketball has no idea what they're talking about. But none. Th- th- the whole point is, basketball, in my opinion, is far and away the easiest of the four sports. To play. I, I would agree. I would agree. And yet they have the biggest prima donnas of any of the four sports. Yeah, I mean, the that, biggest. That's, that, why, that's why the contracts are soaring through the roof because the demands of these guys are, are unbelievable. They. Um, they they have they make the most money of any sport. Yep. Because you have two hundred million dollar payrolls and you have twelve man rosters. Yeah. <laughs> they make the most of every sport. They are the easiest sport and they have the biggest prima donnas. Yeah. And look, you have your prima donnas in the NFL. You oh, have sure. your prima donnas. You're, you know, your Ocho Cinco's there's yeah, plenty you, of those you, guys. You have your prima donnas in Major League Baseball. Uh, sometimes Bryce Harper comes across. Sure. He can as be. as a prima donna, right? Um, you have those guys, but they're few and far between as yeah. compared to everybody in the NBA has an ego to them that says, like, you can't touch me. You can't interact right. with me. I am too good for you. Like they, they, That's how they come across. Definitely. And, and, and 100%. I think, and I think that's why you see more uh, vitriol from NBA fans at games than on any other sport. Yeah, I, I, I also just think it's, it, like I said before, the target audience and who the sport appeals to, who watches the sport. I think, you know, the general clientele of who watches the NBA is probably, I would say your majority of fans are 35 and under. I would think your your large majority of fans are under 35 years old. Um, I could be wrong. I could be like 40. I don't know. But I, I think the younger audience definitely appeals to the NBA. And then I think when you look at, you know, the NFL, it's more of... Maybe under 45, under 50, somewhere around there. You look at Major League Baseball, the average age, age of a Major League Baseball fan is like, like 60 years 54. old. Yeah, it's, it's way, way too high of what it should be. And that's maybe the reason. But I do get your point about fans feeling feeling underappreciated. Maybe teams should be doing more to get these players out in the community. I mean, I'm not talking about like letting LeBron James go to Barnes & Noble and sign autographs or something. But right. like with a Ryan Mountcastle or a Pedro Severino or one of those guys. Like, why not? Like, well, and then you have, you have Kevin Durant saying, we feel like caged animals out, out here. Dude... Dude, dude, how much you, do you if make? You, if you gave me forty-four million dollars a yeah. year to play yeah. basketball, yeah. you could literally put me in a cage. <laughs> you could say, Paul, you have to sleep. They, in might, a cage. they might take you up on that. You have to sleep in a cage every night this entire year. But we're going to give you forty. Oh, fine, put me in a cage. I'm not <laughs> saying that you should treat them like animals. No, of course I'm not, not. I'm not no. making an excuse, but like people don't want to hear an athlete that makes more yeah. money than God yeah. complain about about poor treatment like you if you get treated poorly yes you you and, and, and I, i'm trying not to cross the line here that i think i'm very close to crossing um but y- you can be treated poorly and speak out against it and not want to be treated poorly but we don't want to hear you cry we, we go go cry into a hundred dollar bill yeah you know we, we don't want to hear you cry i mean there are minor leaguers that i talk about this all the time but there are minor leaguers that are living in some of the worst living conditions you could ever see they're eating food from the fire festival um you know and and they're being treated you know they're getting paid nothing um and they're they're not treated maybe as well as they should be um and unfortunately that's just the way it is across major league baseball but you've got nba players making 40 million dollars a year who are complaining about the same thing so i don't know 
Yeah, I, I would, I would tend to agree with you, but um, I also think fans can just be way too vicious. Oh no, at no, times. F- fans, fans suck. Yeah, fans, 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 fans do absolutely. Suck. And I'm a fan. I don't think I suck, no. but, but I'm also <laughs> me. I don't think you suck. You yeah. know, but a lot of fans suck. Right. Yeah, a right. lot of fans take it. I mean, how, it, ma- how many fights have you seen at Ravens games? I've seen so, so many. many. So many. Anywhere. It's the, Any, it's anywhere the, you go. You go into those top sections, you know, the 300 level. It's like the Wild West up there. Like, it, it's literally, it's nicknamed the Wild <laughs> West like, for a reason. You sound like a, a dad. It's, it's the Wild I mean, if you, if, if you ever sit up there, I sit up there all the oh, time. Yeah. It is wild up there. I mean, it is. And it just speaks to, to fans being I'm, vicious I, as they I are. I can be one. Uh, I don't ever fight anybody, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have a few sodas up there and and, 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 sodas. and, and, and get a little wild and rambunctious. I don't ever fight anybody. Um, I remember, oh my God, real quick. I remember I went to a Ravens game, I think it was against the Patriots, and there was a guy who got so drunk, he vomited where he was sitting. That's he, fun. He vomited where he was <laughs> sitting. I was like 10, 15 rows up from him. Same mm-hmm. section, but up from him. And he sat there in his own vomit the entire game. Kind, you, of, a, kind of a questionable decision, and you honestly. Can, I mean, the vomit was at his feet. But he sat there, and you could smell it in the entire section. And, and I'm like, good. And, and, and I walked by, and I looked at him, and I see him sitting in his own vomit. Yeah. And he's got this look, this glazed over look. And, yeah. he, and he turns to me, and I go... You should. I le- legitimately said this to him, dude. You should be ashamed of yourself. I was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> I was like, like leave. I, I I said this to him, like leave. Yeah. If you're so drunk that you throw up in your seat, you have no business being in public. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, like like seeing so many people fall over like the rows, like they fall down like four or five rows because of how drunk they are, and it, it happens in, in NFL games every all game. every the time, game. all the and, time. And, and l- l- let me tell you. When I say fans suck, I'm making a blanket statement about a minority of, sure, of it's, fans. It's Most the, fans are cool. Yeah, it's I mean, but it's that loud minority of fans that ruin it for everybody else. Right, right. You know what I mean? And th- and that's what I'm talking about there. That like, that that are so obnoxious, so over the top, so vomiting in their seat or punching somebody in the face because they said the Ravens suck, that ruin it for the rest of us. Right, you know what I mean, dude. We are now at two and a half hours. It is twelve thirty. We got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the bat around. Thanks for indulging us for that last how, however long it was, half hour of non baseball talk. We just talked about people vomiting in their seats. Yeah. Uh, look, thank you for tuning into the bat around. We will be back next week with some more great guests and the fans, Charles. As always, thanks to our guests for today. Uh, until next week, see ya. <laughs>